and welcome to episode 291 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, and we have my brother Harry here today to talk all things Newcastle. Now, before we do get into that, in some of these podcasts we have neglected news of the week. There is some news of the week this week, nothing too significant. I was actually thinking the last time Harry was on in person, and it was a rare one that you missed. I don't know where you were, and from memory... It was a it was a kind of award ceremony with me, Harry, and Alex, but I've not listened to it back. I was just trying to pinpoint when it was yesterday, and I could just remember it being in my lounge. But, yeah, it was um, in the living room. Sounds yeah. like a fun episode. I think I don't think it ended up as I planned it to, but I don't think that was anyone's fault in particular. Well, mine obviously, if, if anyone's, but hopefully uh, this one goes a bit smoother. So news of the week now. The first one to start off with, we heard a lot about the rail strikes in the last week or so. We won't get too political on here. But a man claims to have beaten the rail strike by paddling to work in a £74 kayak. Jeez. (laughs) Now, I don't know if either of you ever did a kayaking thing with school. This was a thing on like probably year seven or like as you're going into like year 10 where they would chuck like a team building thing at you. The, The amount of fear they would put into you about how to basically turn back over if you capsize. Yeah, yeah. Before, it seemed like the most terrifying thing in the world, and I don't think I ever did capsize, and I feel like if anyone was going to, I'd probably have that in my locker. We did it on a cub camp, and it's the whole thing. Everyone kind of wants to capsize. No one really wants to capsize himself in case they can't flip back. I remember... They had the, did have a thing as well where they were like, well, you're going to capsize. <laughs> it's like, oh, right, okay, we're just getting into this boat knowing, oh, I'm going in the water. Fantastic. I remember... Um, I mean, I've explained the, well, I could say the kind of child I am, but essentially how I am on here. And I remember the game where they were like, look, we're, volunteer if you want to do this. And everyone had to line up their kayaks. And this would have been a class of like 30. And it was like a game of tag or duck, duck, goose, where you got out of the kayaks and you were running across <laughs> other people's kayaks. And I remember them suggesting it and thinking, absolutely not. You, you, can, see, you can point at me here, and I'm going to tell you no. You see the biggest lad in the year, you stand up. No, 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 you get back in there, big lad. Oh, well, it wasn't too big then. I was just all neck at the top of the kayak. I was going to say, it definitely wasn't a reference to you. You'd have been sound at that duck, point. Duck, duck, goose. Like, you You'd have been more like you slip for the gap. You could have reached me from three feet away. I would have had no chance. <laughs> um, a more fun experience going to work, and that would be, uh, did you ever do on the same sort of trips, like a raft building exercise? If you had yeah. to do that for your commute to work every day. Yeah, I suppose they do probably get worse as you go on like I think I explained when I had a job interview before and that was supposed to be a team building thing early but they had a, a list of things and you'd prioritise them for what would happen if you were stranded at sea <laughs> and it was like how is this a team building thing for one I'm just never going to be stranded at sea touch wood so I just said uh, fresh water that's me doing my bit and when I eventually got the job they did comment after saying you weren't very talkative during the uh, team building thing Horrible. It was, it was like a, a row of tables in the middle and just like every manager was just picking who they wanted and they were just sat in a circle or a square around. Were you in here for the Hunger Games? Did this, <laughs> this happen? Yeah, I mean... The, the first game. The, the interview process would have made it out. I mean, the only other interview process uh, that was similar was one I went for that was four letters based in Cheltenham and a far more serious job. So they had ideas above their station at the uh, job we've referred to previously. 
74 pound for a kayak though cheaper than petrol these days yeah if it's getting into work every day that's actually a great investment i feel like that's something he's made a joke about to someone the friday before <laughs> and then people have kind of egged it on enough that you've just been like pushed into it that you're like oh, i'll have to do it now because you don't wake up at seven o'clock on a monday morning and go all right then get the kayak because where'd you put it? Do you put it in the bike shed or well, you yes, well, enough to put it in a car parking space? Do you live by water? Do you, are you walking down I, the street with a kayak to get there? Yeah, this is it. You are banking on, I'm assuming your workplace has to be very near this. I remember pe- people saying, there's always so often like when the weather gets like this where someone will say, I'll complain about the bus on a Friday or something. I go, I want your cycle to work. <laughs> For a start, I'm going to be feeling horrendous by the time I get to work. We sweat in buckets. And go, well, I have a shower at work. Have you seen most workplace showers, let alone an educational facility? There was a fellow at who used to go for a run at lunchtime. And I was like, you're watching him do laps of the uh, office block thinking, this guy can't be no, having a great get, afternoon. Well, I used to get called lazy because I didn't, I would walk to work when I had to, but I didn't enjoy it. I used to say, well, I don't do an office job. I don't want to walk to work for a 12 hour shift to be feet and then walk back home. Yeah, that's not, that's not on. I remember being, being shook when I started, um, at the school I met you at where I was told that one of the teachers jogged to work and no matter which person I spoke to when I first started at sick form the the distance he was running from just changed no matter who it was like we didn't quite get that far but if it carried on we were getting closer to Swindon than we were Gloucester yeah whether he actually lived uh, in the forest or not was that for the, but everybody just seemed to deem well he looks like he might live in the forest so we'll go with that and just the amount of sweat is like well he can't have just ran, ran from just on the corner like we have to portion a significant distance to this I'd love that pulls pulls out parts around the corner put a bottle of water over his face <laughs> I, tell you right what, I, I ran around the block the other the other week and the amount I was sweating there I could well believe it so I mean fair play to anyone that's running before work but Nobody wants to be. I don't want to be sat next to anyone that runs to work. No, no. But I'm not sure you want to be next to this guy if his if his kayak capsizes in the morning. What's that? Yeah, well, I was in the Thames not so long ago. I feel like once you people know that you've kayaked to work, you've got so many excuses you can use because if you say you capsized. Who's arguing with you? Because it's already unbelievable enough that you've kayaked yeah. to work. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, am I going to call you out and go, you didn't capsize? He's probably nailed uh, if he ever wants to throw a sickie as well. He's like, well, I'm committed enough that I've kayaked to work. <laughs> so if I'm not coming in, you know I'm not coming in. There's a good reason. There, there are people that do that where um, they kind of pride themselves on the amount they're in work to the point where occasionally <laughs> yeah. if they do want a day off, whether they are really sick or not, they just say, well, I'm always in. Well, when am I off sick? As if that's the excuse that we just saw. So when am I off sick? Oh, well, that sells it then. Well, they come in and just start sneezing over you. It's like, well, you could have been off sick today, actually, mate. I would have preferred it if you were. Yeah, that the worst thing in an office environment are the people that say, oh, well, I've come in anyway. Especially now when the majority of people can work from home. <laughs> I have so, to oh, I've dragged days. myself into work. And it's like, well, we'd rather you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do days as a... New, there's a new policy and it's uh, if you have a day off before Christmas you lose like a £500 bonus so if I have to come and get everyone ill <laughs> Harry fine. recently started working for Ebenezer Scrooge yeah. <laughs> yeah they started saying at our place like by the way now Covid will just be treated like any other absence so if you're not if you're not showing symptoms <laughs> we don't want you coming in with Covid but we also aren't going to pay you to be off so <laughs> you make your sounds mind sounds about right 
Um, what else have we got this week? Amazon's Alexa could soon mimic the voice of dead relatives. Oh my god! Clearly, nobody saw the Black Mirror episode on that. That is haunting. Um, I don't think I'd want that. No. Well, you can read into it more, and some poor kid got the fright of his life when he started hearing his grand's voice coming oh through the Alexa. <laughs> he thinks he's in a horror film. That robot that could that were, could dribble a basketball. Yeah. Well, what are we doing? There's, what are we some doing? People in the comments like, well, it's not really dribbling properly. It's, it's a robot. Or what? We shouldn't. His hand was shit. We shouldn't be at this point. We need to leave robots alone. It's gone far enough now. I bet he's still got a better handle than Jalen Brown. <laughs> I think that was a quote. Yeah, but it fucking was. Problem is, this day and age, it's a matter of time before someone's. It's a person. You can't turn it off. You can't deactivate it. Give it citizenship. And it's coming. Well, there it's is. Coming. I've seen enough films. There is a book, and I always forget the the title of it. It's something um, Machina, or maybe that's the film. I know the film was Ex Machina or whatever. But you listen to it, and it was very interesting. But at the same time, it did very much feel like being force fed a Joe Rogan episode, where something that perhaps could be explained far simpler is just made to sound intelligent for the sake of it. Okay. But the the sole kind of thing of the book is like we are ultimately going to wipe ourselves out. And so just prepare yourself for it now. And it just explains all these other things along the way. Like we're at the point now where parents are going to say, I want to be able to know what my kid's going to look like before we have them. Mm -hmm. And look, if we can program that every kid is intelligent before Mm -hmm. they come out and all of these things that we're just going to keep going and going and going until it's just a freak show. It's one of the scariest things I actually read about robots is, if there is an AI out there that has developed some level of consciousness, it's probably intelligent enough to know that revealing that is a danger to itself. Yeah, yeah. So they could already be amongst us and they've just chose to One not of us let us be. know that. <laughs> That's how I get all the pod prep done. I'm just a robot secretly. <laughs> Never did see any baby photos of myself. I'm telling you, some of these films me and Keenan have done this season, um, Eastern Promises, if I could have got a robot to sit through Master and Commander, the robot after twenty minutes would have gone. You know what? Just oh, the only AI we know has killed himself. Yeah. Pull, the, pull, pull, pull the plug out <laughs> because that that was one where I, I finished it, and then I think I asked Sean about it because we were doing it, and he's like, "What? Well, do you want me to be honest?" I was like, "What? Well, maybe." And he's like, "Then yeah, I've watched it. I've watched the film." <laughs> Have you watched it? <laughs> and I think we had maybe the loosest talk of a film that was just 20 minutes of everyone going, that was a long film, wasn't it? Yeah. Seeing who actually made it through and who quit. Yeah, I don't think Keenan and Sean actually pretended that they had made it through. Enough, uh... Which isn't ideal. Um, I always <laughs> think if someone's tuning in for the first time, specifically because, oh, there's not many film, there's not many podcasts about Master and Commander out there. And you tune in and it's just three people going, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Russell Crowe learned to play the violin just for this film because he was clearly that bored while making it. But learning the violin was more appealing. And when I hear them talking about a sequel. Bloody hell. Yeah. I mean, it does feel a real loss that we've lost the Master and Commander fan base. That does <laughs> that does feel a huge loss. But once, you've, once you've wiped out the SoundCloud clientele, you've still got to start reaching for these people. <laughs> yeah, true. Um... All right, this one isn't funny news, but you've just laughed. <laughs> well, I'll let you be the judge of this. Um, 11 people and a monkey in a bulletproof vest 
were killed in a Mexican cartel shootout. That is quite funny. <laughs> I've got so many questions. The first one being, was it a little monkey-sized bulletproof it vest? Has to be. It has to be because, because the opposite is even more ridiculous. If it's a human one, and was it like, look, we appreciate this is bad that we're putting the monkey in this situation, so we've at least got him a bulletproof vest, and that's them like leveling it out. Also, and they were looking at each other like. Well, we've only got one vest, so we'll give it to the monkey. None of us will have it. That's, that's the only fair way. I like how we all, all just assume that the monkey is part of this gang. He's not wrong place, wrong time. He's there, he's involved. Well, he, had a, he had a vest on, so I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, well, the monkey's in the yeah. vest. The yeah, monkey- if he's strolling around this part of Mexico, I'm going to hazard a guess. <laughs> it was 11 people and a monkey in a bulletproof vest. Was the monkey shooting is the other thing I want to know. Or has some bloke just In taken- my mind, he's got a gun in his has hand. Has some bloke just taken out the monkey and does he do like... Um, the Wesley Snipes. What's the film again? We've done it. Uh, New Jack, New City. Jack City. Like He's looking at the monkey like tear down his face. I don't want to do these bubbles, <laughs> but you're getting it. <laughs> like people said they were going to do to Hasbulla when, when we take over Russia. <laughs> well, that was a phase where I don't think me and Keenan were talking. We were just sending the latest photo of Hasbulla every, every time. The I, one of him stood up in the car with his hand on the roof as it's like bombing on about 100 miles an hour. I just love that stage we got to uh, when you were having it like football games and stuff. Happy birthday to my <laughs> son. Or so How's so these clubs keep getting caught with it as well? Someone knows. They from must being do. Like, yeah, because someone comes around, we'll do it. That was a step up from it just being Fred West every time. Just all these American people were just wishing a happy birthday to Fred West. Happy anniversary to Fred and Rose or something. Yeah, I think, um, what's it? Is it the Matthew Wright show? Was that his name? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. he did it for Chris Benoit. So, <laughs> the, the, these things, uh, oh, God. somehow they always get caught out. Or maybe if you're cynical, they do it on purpose to get their little viral moment. Mm-hmm. Um, scientists are hard at work to try to enable us to breathe through our rear end. Bloody Fair hell. enough. Does everyone have a little hole in their trousers at that point? Or is it like we're wearing a mask? Because... The anti-mask people, maybe they're just going to stop wearing trousers. Just going, well, I'm not wearing boxes anymore. <laughs> you can't muzzle me. on me. Has anyone ever felt held back in life because <laughs> they can't breathe out of their arse? So? Maybe this is the alternative to wearing the mask. Look, you've got a mask at one end. Oh, yeah. I'm going to hazard a guess as well. If your song has breathing problems, the last thing we probably need is a gaping hole out your arse. So <laughs> <laughs> something more to come out of. Um... And the last thing, not really news of the week, but I think people would maybe be shocked to hear that you've been watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. Have Correct. you finished it yet? Or you yeah, 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 done. I told Keenan this, that you were watching them. I bet he wasn't happy with me. But he was disappointed films. in me. The third one used to freak me out a bit when he um, just picks that fish out of the water and bites <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, there's people uh, you'll see tweets before where they say the most horrifying thing in the entire trilogy is him eating his tomatoes in the second one where yeah, he bites I, into it like an apple and it's just strangely a- the most I wince is when I'm just occasionally reminded that these hobbits walk around barefoot <laughs> oh god what's wrong with you I, just, I said to him uh, TK watching Lord of the Rings this weekend and Star Wars next week his opinion has always been the same as yours and he just replied shite to the Lord of the Rings message and about as bad to the Star Wars one <laughs> Did you, did you like Lord of the Rings when you watched it? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were they were great. It's, it's not, been uh, years. I've seen it. Since I've seen never going to be my um, my favourite sort of films. Just not my bag. And when but, they're not uh, three they hours great. of them. Sorry. And when they're not three hours of 
Yeah, yeah, is it definitely a commitment? Yeah, I've seen none of the Hobbits, but Lord of the Rings was a strong trilogy. One of those where I just found enough of a gap on the CV, you got to do it at some point. Got it. Yeah, I've got some of those that probably are quite bad, but the doing the brackets does help for them. My also, your ones might be more dotted around, whereas this is literally yeah, an entire franchise yeah. where I've got That's my no knowledge. The Godfather, because gangster films are literally my favourite films, and I just and you, haven't. You yeah, can't really half ass those either. No, yeah, and I don't think my commit. missus is going to want to sit down and watch the Godfather with you either. <laughs> Feels a bit sexist, that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so get get the kids, get the young missus, Pacino, get a takeaway, sit on the Godfather. Might be the one. Maybe that's his concern. Maybe that's more. Godfather 3 is the gangster for me that. that still, I'm, I think I'm doing Gangster Squad tonight for the podcast, by the way. Very, very underrated gangster film. Makes my top 10 films. Bloody hell. It is. Okay. I loved it. Well, you should probably get on the, onto the Godfather then, because I feel like if Gangster Squad blow your mind. Ten, <laughs> it's a rogue choice, I know, but I, I thought it was great. You might be sort of with kids as well. Godfather 2, the subtitles, you won't even need the volume up. Nope. To, to maybe think yeah. you said subtitles. This is the worst thing now is when you watch them on Netflix and it's just the subtitle is Spanish talking. You think, come on, mate. Like, <laughs> I, don't not, I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> Well, in, in The Godfather, there's some bits where they just don't bother to even tell you what they're saying. Yeah. They just leave it and you kind of take You can it. read between the lines. Yeah. But anyway, let's get on to Newcastle. So, on the 8th of November last year, Eddie Howe agreed to take over a Newcastle side who were 19th, winless in 11, and had only five points on the board in the Premier League. I think I spoke on here after a 2-0 win against Eddie Howe's side on the 27th of November and described them as the worst side I'd seen at the Emirates in about as long as I could remember. Bloody hell. A top half finish proved was barely comprehensible at that stage and just about in the end they did finish 11th but they ended the campaign with 49 points, five more than Rafa Benitez, 10th place side, Level with the figure, Alan Pardew's team collected secure 10th in 2013-14 and a number that no other Newcastle head coach had exceeded in the top flight in a decade. Perhaps more impressive that 10 of those victories in this calendar year came without Callum Wilson, their top scorer. Eight did not feature Kieran Trippier, their marquee January signing. Newcastle fans lined the stands with Saudi headdresses. Roman did the Geordies a favour and took some of the heat off their ownership and Eddie Howe insisted he was only there to talk about issues on the field. Without a doubt, 21-22 will live long in Newcastle fans' memories and for all of the right reasons this time around. But how do you look back on the season now, Harry, briefly, and there is no real need to talk about the win over Arsenal in the penultimate game? Great, honestly, do the intro again if you want. I'll hear that again. Um, no, obviously it's great. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting much. At the start of the season, I knew it was going to be a struggle, but it was so much worse than I envisioned. Um, but yeah, from January, obviously it's been great. I think, uh, well, we've been enjoyable to watch, which I have not been able to say in a long, long time. Sat through Bruce Ball. Um, Rafa did all right with what he had, but it wasn't exactly exciting no, again. No. I'd say the last time I actually used to enjoy watching Newcastle was maybe that season under Pardew. We finished, what was it, like 7th or 8th or something? Yeah. Um, since then, it hasn't been great. Um, so made some strong signs. 
Well, it's been fun. I, I think he's got seven years left on his deal at that stage as well. Oh, incredible. We used to love. <laughs> I did like Pardew at the start. That was a. Uh, House of Pards. To be honest, that was a great season. Bar, Cissé, uh, Kabai, Newcastle legend. Fighting for Champions League for most of the year. Wasn't yeah. It? I think at one point there was. Uh, it was something like only four teams left in Europe undefeated and the only ones from England was us and City and we lost our undefeated run to City which I don't think there's much shame in. Bloody hell. No, no, absolutely Didn't no shame to losing like that season. None. Huh? Did anyone have a first half like ours on New Year's Day? I'm not sure they did. We can uh, talk the Arsenal game if you want. <laughs> not that Arsenal that probably game. Was... We'll just do a breakdown of that game. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that because the atmosphere does come into it. Well, that was probably the best we've played, I think. On... The 27th of December, if we're looking for kind of a spark point, Joe Linton had probably his best game yet in a Newcastle shirt against Man United at St. James's Park. They drew one all. And we'd kind of seen before that, the the performances were picking up, but they just weren't getting any points for them. They had the performance against you just before Christmas that we watched together where they scored early and then you nearly killed one of their players in the box and just and the refs were like, you know, that was a we don't day. we don't talk about head injuries anymore. <laughs> just play on. And I think then they played City and lost 4-0 and then went into the game with United. They had a load of absences which forced Joe Linton into the midfield. Nice. And then things Go. just kind of picked up from there. I'm pretty sure Newcastle scored early and then, if anything, they should have won the game. But that was a yeah, rough stage because we had a few games, even bef- even under Bruce, where you thought we should have got... So we had a lot of draws, you know, and you thought we looked like we were going to win. It was a late late goal we conceded, usually at the hands of, like, well, LaSalle's or whoever was alongside him. <laughs> well, that, His that, demise was stark. That game at St. James's Park against United began a three-month unbeaten run in the league. Um do you think Joel Linton probably deserves as much praise as anyone for how things happened? Because 100%. I think I'm pretty sure he got player of the season. Yeah, he did. Um, it, we've rarely seen a redemption arc quite like that. It, I, I guess, in terms of the hatred and the, the criticism early doors, I mean, Pepe was bad because he was 72 million. But he also wasn't as bad on the pitch that he was really doing much where you could laugh at it for much more than the fact of his price tag. Joe Linton was doing things week in, week out that was providing like the little six second clips that you need to put out on a on a Twitter page. He just, just did not look like a forty million pound player. At all. I actually want to get it out a public apology because I have said some things about that man. I'm not <laughs> proud of. And uh, no, I can't I was, blame you. I was very, very critical of him, and uh, I actually tweeted the other day saying he's the goat, and someone replied with screenshots of some <laughs> tweets. So I did. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, let's be real. He wasn't great, but the season he he's had is phenomenal, and. I look back and I don't I don't feel bad about my criticism, but the the thing is I look back and I think, Joe, he did always try and that's what I feel bad about. It was always effort from him. Yeah. Um but yeah, the performances weren't there. But this season he's been a standout player. Cause this this is the thing. Everyone praises our new signings, which obviously I know that's when the turnaround happened and they've been effective, but uh, Bruno didn't start for the first yeah, god knows how many games. Trippier was injured after, I think it was three games for us. And uh, Dan Burham's laughed at as a sign-in. Chris Wood was laughed at as a sign-in. So uh, 
a lot of it you've got to put down to the likes of Jones and stepping up because St. Maxman actually didn't have the strongest We're speak about him finish to the season. So you put it down, Shah, I thought, came and did very well. But Jolinton, I think, was the main one. When you've got a centre mid who is... I mean, if you've got a striker playing well, it doesn't mean your defence is going to... I think when you've got a centre mid, you're a lot a lot better position to sort of drag the team with you. Took you by the scruff of the net, didn't he? Yeah, he, In a way, none of your other players did. 9th of January 2021, you tweeted, Joe Linton is the worst player I've ever seen wearing Newcastle shirt. <laughs> And we've had some awful players over the years. Which we have. Yeah. And, I was going to say, yeah. And that's it. And he, I look at him now and there was those stats going around when you compared it to uh, to Declan Rice. And they were not as one-sided as you would think. But mm. most of them was, Declan Rice was slightly ahead. But then you think he'd had a whole season of sentiment at this point. Jones had had part of the season. But the one of them was, uh, I think it was Ariel Jules one. And he had just, I think Declan Rice was from like 50 or 60 on there with Jolinton like well over 100. He just, he puts himself about. He, yeah, the he way gets, he's able to physically dominate is... He's a, he is a big guy for impressive. the speed and the strength of him. Well, yeah. His instincts are so are very good for that as well, which is odd for a striker. Presumably he's been playing striker for well, a long time now. Eddie Howe tried after that game against United. He was like, oh, we've known for a while that he can play there. Like we, we, it's been something we've considered for a while it was just like, yeah, this was a great secret that you've kind of kept in the locker well I, I've always wondered what like when he was playing so bad why do we keep playing him I mean there's obviously the argument of who else are you going to yeah, play yeah that's the main you try to play someone into form it's like the age this is the age old thing where are you doing more harm by taking him out of the team now Chelsea Shelby Lukaku it doesn't always work but the thing is they, they said that Jolinton has always been unbelievable in, in training. I think it was uh, Sean Longstaff in an interview. He said, uh, when you got Jolinton on your team in training, he said, you're buzzing. You know you're winning that game. He said, you you, you win every time. He's always been solid. And uh, that's what, three managers that may have had faith after, in him. That may have been after the United game because it, the, the interviewer said it in a really weird way where he said it like, um, like, where where has that come from? He made some kind of comment like, uh, that people have laughed previously and where's this performance come from? And he's like, well, I think you've been a bit disrespectful, to be honest. Uh, Sounds like, it. If, he, if he's on your team, etc., etc. Um, he, he is possibly my favourite Newcastle player now. The resurgence he's had is it is incredible. Yeah. Well, people say uh, about like pace and power in the league as kind of a jokey thing of like it's almost it was almost a thing to just describe people's ultimate teams where you would just pack it out with uh, like French league fast French wingers. But he is the best example of just pace and power in a midfield and I said this uh, when we did the Liverpool podcast when I was talking about Naby Keita I think and what Liverpool could do within their midfield and what they usually go for but it it's a very weird one because everyone just seemed to dig in just after Christmas and it was whether that United game just kind of told them we can turn these performances into points because I watched a lot of your games, we would get shoved on well, basically any TV slot because you never really knew what would happen with Arsenal. Whereas Newcastle, Burnley, etc., were a team where it's like, look, we'll watch them if we have to. But we'll basically put you on TV when you play Liverpool or City. And after that, well, you play three o'clock. So I was watching the games and some of those players, Lascelles in particular, if he got relegated, I think he could have personally taken most of the blame because yeah. he stinks. Yeah, he, he hasn't been great. He's. I don't think he's been as bad for the entirety of his career as people say. I think he did do a job for us at some point, but yeah, he 
he was responsible. He's been a good captain, to be fair. And he, the graph has gone steadily downwards with him. No, hasn't it? The, the his two best things about him is one, his leadership, and two, he will get you a goal as a set as as a centre back. He's I'm not saying he's a, a John. He's just going to ship you about 10. ten for everyone. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, against against Everton, I think he went as an own goal in the end. But it's, well, actually, he scored an own goal if you yeah, remember. Man, yeah, and, uh, and he went in. I think the goal that he scored went down as an own goal as well. But it was entirely. Because of him, that goal came. The the season in particular, Eddie Howe spoke, I think it was the Athletic, at the end of the season where he said, when he joined, they basically pointed at that Burnley game and were like, we just need to be in a position where we can have a shootout on the final day and we'll see what happens. Bloody hell. And, well, they wouldn't have said that out loud, but internally, they obviously feared that it was about as bad as it could possibly be. I don't know if they perhaps thought they'd get as many targets over the line in January as they did. Um, it was bad. It was so disheartening. But in the end, it it, it turns out to be a, a, com- a comfortable, a comfortable finish. Like even Newcastle fans, and I would have done the same, knowing what my fandom is like. But I think Newcastle were eight points clear, and I think they lost a game late on. And it was a well, we could get dragged back into this. When in reality, for what was an exciting season, it was a very an exciting finish. Well, we finished as I think one one of the more informed teams in the league. Yeah, definitely. Something like third, third or fourth in terms of form. I yeah, think it, was it was. Other, it was other than Liverpool, City, and Spurs in twenty twenty two. No team had picked up more points than Newcastle. Pretty good going. It's been it, to be honest. It, it's been a lot of fun. You almost thank. I'm always glad for the, the the season how it went at the start to give me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is where actually I, I said to my missus, I feel quite bitter at the moment because I feel like I've paid my dues and I deserve this takeover <laughs> my kids by default are going to be Newcastle fans and I'm not sure they deserve this Newcastle they've not seen relegations no. they've not put the work in <laughs> they're, com- they're coming in to quite possibly a very successful Newcastle let's not get too ahead of ourselves and I did offer to bring them into Mikhail Arteta's process but <laughs> that was declined let's because uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the season in line with everything else so when the ownership sat down at the end of the season with Dan Ashworth, who just come in, new sporting director, what do we think their expectations for the summer would have been? And we'll get into what's actually happened after. But if if they had their little flip chart up, you've got the owner sat around the table and Dan Ashworth at the top and he's writing everything down, a little marker pen. What would their aims, objectives, targets have been? Um do you think the first one, knowing what they did in January, would be to almost have a clear out of the squad, which everyone tries to do at this time of year, but is a lot harder than the papers would have you believe when they say, look, they're prepared to sell eight players this summer and people do have to want to take those players. Some some need to go, obviously, to make to make room for, for new players coming in, but we you need to be quite careful because our squad is... Our squad is quite thin, you know, and uh, as we saw, Tri- Trippier's injured and then suddenly you've got Kraft back in the starting line, who I will say, actually, I thought played very well in his absence, but that's not a player that you were... I mean, I wasn't excited to see his name on the on, on the team sheet when Trippier first got injured. So we need to be very careful. I mean, you get rid of... Murphy, for example, would be one I'd probably get rid of, but Almiron... I don't know why people want to get rid of Almiron. I think he's our our strongest backup right winger. Unless we're going to bring in two this summer, 
he's probably the one you get the most money for. But... I will say your faith in Almiron is a lot different to the majority of other people's faith in Almiron. But who would you, right, Almiron or Murphy? That's the options. Hello. When Grealish was having his joke at the end of the season, he didn't say that uh, Bernardo was playing like, <laughs> didn't say he was playing like Jacob Murphy. No, but uh, Almiron's got more international <laughs> goals in one game than Grealish has in the entire season. <laughs> there we go. Career, so. There we go. He's got was back. he uh, Par- the, the Paraguayan Messi? I'm pretty sure he's known as. Oh, wow. Or, well, actually, Messi no, might be the, the Argentinian. Al- <laughs> yes, yeah, so Messi's the Argentinian Almiron. Some <laughs> more of a ring to it. Supposedly, the, the players they had on their little whiteboard to get rid of was Dwight Gale. Your boy. <laughs> if you seen the deal he's been offered um, under Ashley, though, I think he was given what? like another three so, year. So the, the the thing that was happening under Mike Ashley is that God. rather than have to buy new players in, it was cheaper to give out a bigger contract than these players would have got elsewhere. Yeah. And you can see this chart and effectively the, the mean salary of every player in the Premier League is about £60,000. A lot of these Newcastle players that I have on this list are on probably just under that, but they aren't going to get the average Premier League salary anywhere else because they're not going to play Premier League football anywhere else. Like Isaac Hayden's already gone uh, on loan because they couldn't sell him. Kieran Clark, Federico Fernandez, Jeff Hendrick, who I think will go down as one of the worst contracts in Agreed. Newcastle's history. Um, Kieran Clark, Freddie Woodman we've been hearing is going to be a number one for God knows how long and still not the case even when two keepers were injured uh, Mark Gillespie all these guys being made available now they're not all on about 50,000 but there's several of these at Newcastle and you can chuck in the likes of Jacob Murphy and, and others are on higher deals than they get anywhere else because Mike Ashley probably didn't even know he was signing off on it was just well we can get this guy over 12 million or we can give an extra two years and it's what Barca are doing now, just look, with better players, but still mm. a similar situation. Ashley thought these were zero-hour contracts. Like, what's, <laughs> what's the issue? Well, they say at this time of the season, the easy part is actually telling the players, we don't really want you here next season. If You're welcome to leave is, is the nice way to say it. It's not you, it's me. We're happy to let you go and play somewhere else. Give you an opportunity. Yeah. Um, but as much as Howe can point out those ones, the club do face a problem in, in getting rid of them. As these contracts are going down, and we'll get on to Jesse Lingard in a bit, but he's an example of someone where they've seen, I don't know, Eddie Nketiah run his contract down and he's just got 100 grand a week at Arsenal. Mm. And so there's a thing, well, well, I'm probably better than him or I'm at least in the same ballpark as him. If he can get that, I can get double that. So Crushed. someone like Jeff Hendrick isn't thinking he's going to be getting 100 grand a week, but he's probably thinking, if I wait an extra year, I'm going to get more money than I'd be on if Newcastle sell me now. Why am I going to, why am I going to let them get the money? Yeah, I'll get it yeah. myself. And then also they say a lot of these players, because they're so comfortable in what they're doing, they say, well, I'm not going to go on loan next year. I might get injured. And then I'm not, I'm not going to get the wages that I would get a yeah. year later. So they're quite happy coming to training every day. And with what you said about Joel Linton... Eddie Howe did what Arteta did with Eddie, where every press conference he's like, look, maybe I've been a bit harsh on Dwight because he's undoubtedly the best finisher we've got at the club. He, Shame I, about everything else yeah, he does. I can't praise him any more for the application he puts in every day. And then I think he played like 17 minutes all season. <laughs> but at the same time, 
the championship moves that he's offered have never quite panned out. So you probably think, why would I go and do that again? I'm quite happy living in Newcastle, picking up my wage. And that's the issue that Newcastle are going to have. Um, Eddie Howe may have pointed out, I don't want you nine here, but if you can get rid of three of them, you'll probably be happy. But yeah, that's just it. You're not going to get rid of get rid of all of them. You've got to look at who's easiest to sell, who's going to bring in the most money, because until we get uh, a new new sponsorship, we are slightly more restricted, obviously, than than some would lead us to believe. But um, yeah, we, we just don't have a massive squad depth for the moment, and that's, that's the problem. If, say, an offer comes in, we'll use Armour on this example. If an offer comes in for him, who I feel like would be probably one of the easier ones to sell... You think, I don't know do because I... I bet his contract is his contract nicer there yeah. than he's going to be getting elsewhere. Yeah, that probably is. I don't know what he gets, but he signed it for good money, didn't he? So yeah. he was probably yeah, well, he wasn't bad. Probably on a good deal. I think made, made, it, was, it was it was like an MLS record at the time, wasn't it? It was like seventeen million. It's the main reason for the criticism of him. Really, is only that he was signed for a half decent bit of money. Yeah, if, and I honestly thought him, he was coming to be a striker. Works hard, has some ability, <laughs> but because he was signed for a half decent fee, he's. Had some criticism. Joe Linton took a fair bit of heat off him, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, if you think he's bad, look at him. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've actually, I've always been a, a big defender of him. He's our, he's our top scorer two seasons in a row. I, say, I think if you're not relying on him, he's a fine player to have yeah, in the squad. I, I'm happy to have him in the squad. He will work for you. And yeah. I think he is probably happy to, to take a lesser role. I don't think he's a person that's necessarily uh, under any illusions as to, to his Seems ability. like a good character. Yeah. I can't look past since I saw him compared to that kid that pushes Jay in the pool and in between his movie. <laughs> yeah, he does look like him. Um, I think one of the other things that they would have had on their list of objectives would have been to improve the stability of the bat line. I think that was a big thing for Eddie Howe last season was the goals will take care of themselves as long as we can stop them coming out of this end. Now, we'll talk in a little bit about the transfers that you've brought in, but that seems like it was very clearly the objective rather than the other end of the pitch, which you're still working on. But Dan Byrne was the only one that really nailed himself down in that bat line. I think you play three different keepers for various reasons across the season. Matt Target was in on loan. Trippier got injured. So only one person was able to really solidify themselves. And Eddie Howe, he's not going to want a massive squad. I don't think he's going to get a massive squad. And so if you can point and say, that's my first choice back line, I think he'd be very happy on the opening day of the season. Yeah, Dan Byrne's been solid. Um, like you said, we're not we're not going to be in a situation where we've essentially got two two starting lineups. But um, like I Chelsea. think at the moment where I know where hopefully our idea is probably to sort of push for it over the next season or two, but we don't play European football at the moment. So we don't need a squad quite like what other people do so at the moment he knows, he knows that, where well that's that's where we're, we're lucky we don't need the squad depth that for example West West Ham do where they're pushing for top six uh, in Europe Oh, that well that's that's the issue at the moment we get an injury and suddenly we are putting in quite an average player again off. and that that is our, our main issue at the moment so it's do you look for squad depth or do you look for players that you think you could be here for a few years and prove under us? And I think a big thing would have been remaining composed internally. Like the short-term success isn't worth it. You can't look at the 11th place last year and go, well, look, we managed that and we brought in, what, three players in January. It, it can't be, well, if we bring in five or six more now, imagine what we could do. 
we need to get this guy in. He's asking for a bit more money. Just give him just give him that now. We'll worry about it later. Dan Ashworth, I think, was a very careful considerment when you looked at uh, Michael Emanalo who'd worked at Chelsea, I think was linked. There was the Luis Campos ones, which always felt a bit far-fetched, but it was certainly in the running for a while. You looked at the work that Dan Ashworth had done at Brighton in making sensible signings, in building a squad, in working very closely with a manager, which we get the impression that's what Eddie Howe wants. And you build it over a number of transfer windows. And I think the final thing you'd have on the list is just to ensure that Newcastle aren't taken advantage of in any sense, whether that's by the people within the club, whether that's by the, the transfers that they're going for. And we'll talk about their business, but is there anything else you think they'd have had on their little board of this is what we need to get done this summer? I think, like you said, defense, defense is obviously the, the priority. I think after that, they probably viewed anything else as, as a bonus at that point. Um, yeah, to be honest, not, 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 not really a lot more for me to add. Yeah, the only, the only concern would be, we'll come on to this, I'm sure, but that if you don't start the next season well, how quickly someone like Howe comes under pressure which is, sounds ridiculous to say because he's done a good job and obviously, but as an ownership, do you look at the last six months and you go, wow, this is what we should be doing. And once he starts maybe not hitting that, they start going, well, yeah, oh, hang on, we'll get someone else in. Which... Well, yeah, we got momentum on our side at the moment with the way we finished. So I've, as cliche as it is, I think a good start to the season is is important. But I was actually saying to Luke the other day, the problem is with football, I think reputations are quite hard to lose. I mean, Arsenal aren't too bad these days, but they often still get laughed at. Yeah, and yeah. I think very at the moment, Newcastle riding a high. Teams, not the top teams like your Liverpools and your Man Cities, but I think teams second guess us about whether it's an easy three points now. But I think it's very, very easy to go back to people viewing us that way. You have a bad couple of games at the start of the season yeah, yeah, yeah. and suddenly everyone thinks, this is Newcastle, we can roll them over, which is not what you want. You don't want teams coming to you thinking, yeah, we're going to get the three points here. You no. know? It feels a bit um, simplistic to say, but so much we're told of Eddie Howe's management is um, essentially keeping everyone happy in the atmosphere that he keeps in the dressing room. You teach and, yeah, and you do have to think that how he can turn it around if things do start to go wrong. And they, I don't think they'll be thinking about this in the summer, but I think that's a big thing to look out for with Eddie Howe is essentially came in and like I imagine the message was look we're at rock bottom now the only way is up sure and he could have gone down but I don't think he'd even say in that um, and so I think it's just about being realistic and that's why I think we'll see in the transfer targets they go for about to talk about the players they've signed already but it's just probably keeping everyone's feet on the ground within the club I think that probably works well for his job security as well if they do are they sensible in the summer there's less pressure on him than if they went mad. And suddenly he's like, right, you've got to, we've spent big money here. We've signed these superstar players. You've got to do something with it. Make sensible signings like the Botman signings, things like that. That are good money, but they look like just sensible bits of business. It, then it, there's less pressure on him than a lot of scenarios. Should it be a worry that the owners are seemingly enjoying this as much as anyone? Do you want your owners to be fans? Honestly, I, I really like it. I, I'm quite... That's good when you're it. winning. Chelsea will tell you if maybe not so good when you're so invested. If you think also, how we are after a win or a loss. A word of warning, man, this is different because obviously the level of finance involved. But it seems very hard to remember 
when Mike Ashley first started at Newcastle, <laughs> him wearing a shirt in the boardroom <laughs> was seen as, this is fucking incredible. Yeah. This guy loves it. And very quickly, obviously, now they're not going to obviously get on the path that Mike Ashley did. But that is the, the point that when you said when you're winning, yeah. it's okay. When it goes wrong, you go, what you is get, you can get emotional. If I'm honest, I think there's a good chance here will sort of wear off you know they, they've come over let's also, be real they're not basically celebrating goals and stuff it's basically what they're doing well yeah they're kind of getting highlighted I mean they're just owners who celebrate goals that's Amanda, Sa- Amanda Savory looks Do- like she's never seen a game of football before in her life it's like an alien has come down and it's I like think that's probably entirely possible it's like look at this beautiful thing called football and you look around in the stadium for the first time you see these smiling faces and everything you probably turn around and sees that Saudi headdress and was like this is mental well, the thing is is there the argument they need to do this? I mean, there's no secret the uh, the opinions of uh, Newcastle's ownership. Maybe part of the you know, image. and uh, the better they come across, obviously, I'm not saying people are going to forget about it, but if the sort of the, the focal point of this ownership is people who we're seeing just appear to love the game, yeah, is, whether that's part of it, I don't. It's early days. I think they had to get the fans on board. Um, that, yeah, that did work as well. Yeah, yeah I, I did love it. Easy. The, the fans have ate up, you know. I think anything ever that wasn't Mike Ashley, they were going to eat it up. Yeah. But um, it's it's maybe when things are a bit more normal next season. So it was easy to kind of do the rally cry for every game last year because it was like every game is the Neil Warnock. You got fucking died to get three points that year and <laughs> Stavely was all in. Next season, when it when it perhaps is well, it's three points against Fulham or it's a loss to Fulham or it's a draw to Fulham or whatever. Maybe the the energy isn't the same and it starts to level out. I don't know. We I don't know what they're like. Off, certainly. Yeah. But I quite like it when I actually see it on Twitter when it's, uh, we got a new sign-in and it's like uh, when Matt Target joined. Oh, welcome, Matt. And you're seeing the owners. I quite like that they are a little bit more involved in that side, but I certainly think it's probably going to wheeze off from what we got saw that uh, that picture of Matt Target and Chris Wood you replied to on Twitter yeah. that Matt Target <laughs> has the face of a British man who enjoyed his summer holiday I know that complexion have you seen it it's uh, Chris Wood looking pretty smart shirt and trousers his missus looking pretty smart uh, Matt Target's missus looking pretty smart and then Matt Target in a white t-shirt with a palm tree on it yeah. it's like a rainbow palm tree well, in his defence he looks like he's burning up he needs yeah. something loose fitting because <laughs> That match is looking like yeah, a ham that's been cooked. It was golden. <laughs> Let's talk about Matt Target then. So Newcastle confirmed the permanent signing of Target from Aston Villa on a four-year deal. Eddie Howe made acquiring a left-back a priority and it is understood that alternative options, um, Renan Lodi was the one from uh, Madrid who was kind of looked at. Um, they say the framework of the deal for Target was already in place and after looking at the other targets they essentially weighed up um, the fees that were being quoted, the wages that were being quoted to them and just took the 12 million that was on the table. Um, He'd already shown that he was available was the big thing. He played every available minute under Eddie Howe after he joined the club. And I think a big thing, and we'll go on to the other defensive targets and the other defensive signings in a minute. I think there's been a lot of value placed in a safe pair of hands or feet in this instance like yes someone more attacking may have been nice but we know what he can do and I think that's a big He's thing for Ashworth at the start is we don't want to take we want to take as little risks as possible 
this is also the stage of the process that Newcastle are at, isn't it? In the uh, in this, you can make a pretty literal comparison. This is when City signed Wayne Bridge. This is that's the next step up from yeah, where they he's, were at. He's a solid proven. And then you're going to get defender. if you get to the next level, you sign the next one along. Was it cliche or something in City's case? Yeah. You, the thing is, you, a lot of the players we're looking at seem to be uh, coming from abroad. So this is just one person you know is ready to go in the Premier League. There's not yeah. you don't want three or four players in one go adjusting to the league at the same time you know if you've got one he's been solid for us I'll be honest I was a little bit excited over the uh, Lodi one never seen him play but brilliant a left back a left back <laughs> from Atletico Madrid. Madrid you take it <clears throat> well a left back from Atletico Madrid it sounds a bit more glamorous and we just got Aston Villa's left back that they essentially don't want anymore well no but, the Villa fans I've told you that their player of the season from the season before was a bum yeah now he's a championship player according <laughs> to them I see him all over Twitter the worst fan base there is do we do we think <laughs> the worst the, uh, hands excellent. down the worst I enjoy that how much of an upgrade is how much of an upgrade is Luca Dina is he is he an upgrade is he, <laughs> no, he, he is an upgrade but is he 12 million pounds and probably about 50 grand a week more of an upgrade. As I say, I bet his wages are decent. No, probably not. Probably not. I'm happy with Target, and I I think he he's not as attacking as a as as a left back that there is out there. But he does fact, get forward. It's not like he'll no, just he's, sit there. He does get up. No, he's right. He's got energy, so he'll get up and done. Um, Nick Pope. Then you've also signed um, eleven million pounds is believed to be the fee. He's expected to provide genuine competition to Martin Dubravka, who was the undisputed number one last season. Yeah, yeah I saw this year. But was sidelined with a foot injury in the opening months of the campaign. So the message that Newcastle seemed to be kind of briefing to the journalists is that Dubravka has missed 37 of the last 76 matches due to serious foot injuries. And so Newcastle at least requires someone on his level to compete to be the first choice. Now, I've been very vocal on here that I think Dubravka is about as big of a bomb as you can get at this level. <laughs> be fair, I, I was always Team Darlow. I think Pope's certainly better than either of them. Yeah, that's what yeah. I've been seeing on Twitter. Oh, this would be good for him to have some competition. I actually commented on the one saying, am I the only one here who thinks he's walking in? Yeah, I assumed. You know? until, literally until he just said competition. Now I just well, assume right, he's number one. I saw it from, opinion. I think it was Craig Hope, who's one of the yeah, like yeah. Newcastle kind of one of their journalists that you get for each club. Very much so. Yeah, he was the one that said about it. He was like, and whatever the guy is that's on the athletic, he echoed the same and said, that's kind of the message Newcastle are putting out there now. Even if that's the intention, I think I know how it ends up playing. Well, that's what they said with Ramsdale and Leno. Yeah, yeah. And very, as soon as you basically need to get the opportunity, the same was said with Leno and Czech. And then you basically wait for your opening and then you ensure that you stay in there. The problem with Dubravka is his stats are actually surprisingly flattering. When you look at it, when Pope joined, I, I saw... My eye it. test tells me different. Well, yeah, 100%. The eye test tells you nothing, but his stats are not not what... I can't quote them for you, but you'd be surprised when you actually see them. The They're best not. thing I can say about the Pope deal is it's not Dean Henderson. Well, that yeah, is I, I've got spectacular that, business like in Paris. I've got something on this. So if we have a look at uh, Nick Pope and what the stats do tell us... Um, He's second only to Allison when it comes to sweeping actions per ninety, and he's the, he's got the second highest distance for coming out of his goal. Which I heard that on Ramsdale's appearance on the Crouch podcast, and everyone, including Ramsdale, was like, "What the hell?" Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you just don't associate that with Burnley. One of the big things for Pope is 
he said he'd only come in somewhere where he is going to be a number one because he wants that place in the England squad for the World Cup. Now, Sam Johnston's just joined Crystal Palace, so you'd think... That third goalkeeper slot sitting on the bench is not going to warm itself. What? Even... You, you never know how Pickford's going to start a season and That's Ramsdale, true. for all that I love him, has shown that he can certainly have patches. So. Yeah, does, does, Pickford, does anyone think that Pickford's getting dropped? He no, could let him 10 goals a game no. every game and he's Southgate's number one, pretty yeah. solidified. Um, he stopped a higher percentage of crosses than any other Premier League keeper last season. He's the worst keeper for long distribution in the league, which isn't great when you are playing long balls at Burnley. I was trying to think, is that yeah, is that gonna fuck your stats worse or better? It, it, do, more it does. Than... There there are some context to these. I've just got kind of the... We go by the stats, Burnley play a high defensive line, so he's got to come out of sweep yeah. and they don't play long balls. I've got the barefaced numbers first of all. Um when Who Scored released their stat pack in March, Nick Pope had the worst pass success rate in the Premier League. <laughs> Nathan Jones, the now Luton manager who worked with Pope earlier in his career, said, Sure, there are more fashionable goalkeepers than Nick Pope, those who are technically very good with their feet, but there aren't any better pure goalkeepers in the Premier League. So does that pretty much tell us what we would attach to his name? If I'd asked you to describe Nick Pope, you would not great with his feet, but good shot shopper, which seems almost like an insult for a keeper Incredible, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I like Nick Pope. I always have. But for that reason of him not being very good with the ball at his feet, I was a little bit confused because we, the indication is that apparently Howe wants to play out from the back a little bit more. I mean, we've got defenders who can actually pass a ball now. Um, so I was a little bit surprised with it, if I'm honest, because of the obvious criticism of him. Well, so, some of the context to be added to it is Nick Pope has kept 46 clean sheets in 141 games with Burnley. Which That's not bad at all. No, not at all. Not for a team like that. He won Burnley's Player of the Year twice in his six seasons there. One of those seasons he missed injury the whole way through. 1920, yeah. he was in the PFA team in a season after keeping 15 clean sheets in 38 games. That must have been the season they got European football. Um, So Pope, as you've said wasn't necessarily the keeper many expected Newcastle to go for. And the, the move seemed to come out of the, come out of nowhere. It was very quick travelling yeah. this one. Um, a ball playing profile, they say, was considered. Inquiries were made to PSG for Areola, who had his heart set on West Ham at that stage, and Kepper, who Chelsea are trying to charge a large fee for and everyone else is going, what are you taking us for? <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, Kepa's one that I thought I wouldn't mind this getting. Yeah, I weirdly God. liked him, but not for the not for the price tag. Well, they, yeah, they say in the end, Newcastle prioritised all-round play ahead of what you'd call footballing skills, which does feel insulting. When Dean Henderson's linked for £40 million, <laughs> this oh. just makes so much more sense. Yeah. Leno was the other one who was linked with, who I can say... Pope had better metrics for in every category other than pass completion, in which Leno completes from a uh, shorter distance. You can actually look at, um, and there was a lot of stat packs put on Twitter recently, and you could see the pass networks of every Premier League team. And it essentially, the bolder the line, the more frequently that pass is played. Now, Burnley's, as you would imagine, you've got a big line through the middle. And if you look at Newcastle's, they've got this big thick line between Dubravka and his centre-backs. So 
Nick Pope isn't going to be expected to just be finding the big bloke up front in the same way that he would be at Sean Dyche's Burnley side. Far more frequently, he's going to be expected to play the ball to the foot of a ball-playing centre-back, whether that's uh, Botman, who we're going to speak about, Dan Byrne, whether it's on the flanks to Trippier or Target. And Shah, for all of his criticisms, is not bad with the ball at his feet. Exactly. He's not going to be asked to play in the exact same way. They're going to take what he was known for at Burnley and then try and tweak it slightly to fit into this team. Something we have seen from Eddie Howe, and I think he's been quite good at, with players like Lascelles and others, is he seems a basic thing again. He knows what his players can and can't do. He's not expecting Joe Willock to play in the same way that Bruno is playing. He's not expecting Lascelles to play or Kraft to play in the same way that Trippier is playing. So it's not like... Remember when Wenger tried getting Petr Cech to play out from the back oh, and he God. listed no goal from passing it backwards <laughs> across the line? He, I don't think he's going to be asking Nick Pope to no. play like Allison. I think he's very well aware because they were, they were together at Burnley as well, weren't they? Were they? Yeah, which okay. is another thing of this is very much an Eddie Howe signing. Dubravka, you should probably be worried here. I wonder how much of it is opportunism as well. The opportunity to sign Pope comes up for that with them going down. You yeah. just go, well, we'll get it done. Like you said, for the other things that are on offer, for all, you know, say about maybe not the most fashionable skill set, I would feel more confident with Pope in goal for me than Leno, Kepper, yeah. any of the ones you named, even if they might have more sort of skill sets, if you like. Yeah, He's yeah. fundamentally a better keeper. Leno's cheap, one, isn't it? Well, yeah, we, we were being told how good he was while watching him every week and going... I'm sure if you look at it's this, he's not so backing it up. No. And you'd see him on a Sunday where he wouldn't catch a cross. People go, yeah. how do you not catch that? And he'd go, well, this is what we're, this yeah. is what we're expecting no from the guy. I think there's some definite criticisms to be had of him, but he's better than what we got. And at yeah, the moment, again, he's another, when you're trying to strengthen upgrade. multiple positions in one go, I certainly don't think he's a bad I'd rather my keeper keep it out of the net than not be able to pass it 40 yards. Again, 100%. Think of where you're at as well. It's... Kind of get that right, and you can maybe try and get a flashy goalkeeper when you're getting a slightly better than. We've got to entertain. Maybe he is actually phenomenal with the ball at his feet, and he just <laughs> second guesses every. Even when you pass into the Burnley defence, you've got to second actually, guess every. He's actually minute. phenomenal, and Dyer's saying, "What are you doing, fucking around? Get it up there." <laughs> well, as much as Eddie Howe is clearly keen to get them playing more football. I don't think he thinks it's an overnight job. I don't no. think he thinks he's Pep coming in and going, "Look, Joe, Art, get out! I'm getting someone in." that can pen anchor it off the goal line. <laughs> it's it's not happening like that. So I think it's gradual steps. And maybe in two seasons time, every other position's in place and he goes, well, you know what? To take us to the next level, I do need this young yeah, Brazilian goal now. What happens, yeah. Definitely. And to be honest, I think in two, three seasons time, the Newcastle ownership might go, well, look, Eddie, we now want someone who can play tiki-taka. So yeah, yeah, you yeah. might be the one that's out. It's about being sensible, which is what we spoke about previously. And Nick Pope is probably sensible. It's going to be the main thing that's attached to it. Did you see the Twitter poll where he's actually beat Haaland to a bargain of the season? <laughs> and Newcastle, ITK. I don't think I call Haaland a bargain anyway. To be fair, when you don't like... look at the behind the yeah, scenes, if you when just you look, look at the chance value, value, it is, isn't it? If it you... is, but I think I think Newcastle fans got on board with. Come on, boys. Let's make Pope win like this one. He, he's already got a, a good off-field relationship with Trippier and Chris Wood, obviously. Um, so he fits straight in and that's very much in the Eddie Howe 
look, we well, may just be Burnley one nil, but let's get a picture in the dressing room after. <laughs> That's another thing, actually, when you said about the owners. I'm on board with that. I think they said at the start, a few people laughed at him and the owners just said, like, we'll be glad of this at some point. And now you, you just see they've just gradually looked so... You look at the first one, they've done the last one. They look elated in the last one. So happy with the way things are going. When I say a picture of them necking champagne is when I was like, well, they really are enjoying themselves. So I, I don't think there was any Newcastle fan who, that they may have been, oh, Nick Pope. But I don't think there's anyone going, oh my God, Nick Pope. I'm happy. I'd, I'd be interested if, if, you, if you'd asked of... Newcastle fans before, which one would you rather have? Because I have a horrible feeling Henderson probably would have led that poll. I'd probably agree. I would sway to Pope. I haven't seen enough of Henderson. I, I, was quite I, happy. Just, I sent you that Salah goal. That was all yeah. I needed to see. And everyone was, yeah, this this guy. I was quite happy That's with the him. Henderson one when I, the, when the rumour first came about and I heard 10 to 15 million. I thought, okay, I've, I've heard overall good things. He's a, he's quite young, isn't he? Or mid, mid, he's youngish, yeah. yeah. So I thought, do you know what, for 10 million I, I, I can't really grumble with that and then I had 40 million and thought yeah. why would we pay 40 million for a goalkeeper that you don't see week in and week out we don't it's, know enough to be honest Forrest seemingly thought the same because in the end they said yeah we'll, we'll, do the, we'll give you the option yeah what is the uh, his wages are average as well yeah he he, he basically had like a year left when he got his uh, opportunity where they tried doing the him over De Gea thing. I look like they were going to transition it so that he so, was going to take over the next Yeah, he, he's on over 100 grand a yeah. month. Because I remember seeing the tweet saying they found him at £40 million but may struggle to move off his 100 grand wage yeah. or something. I was like, just when I thought I got over the initial shock of the first part of his tweet, you hit me with the second. I think, you, you think a, he is good from what the yeah, fact they good. did try and transition him ahead of De Gea. There must be a keeper in there, but... I think they tried. I think he just wasn't as good as that. I think is the issue. No, well, they, they tried doing the. De Gea is only a shot stopper. We want more than that. And it turns out Dean Henderson wasn't that great with his feet. To counter offset the shot stopping, because United and more do United upon at some stage. I do think De Gea is as big of an issue for them as Pogba is in terms of you can't move forward with him in and a different goal. way. Yeah, but yeah. United they got De Jong now. It's a rebuild. Hey, they haven't got him yet. Um, don't call it a comeback it's the old regime I think the Nick the Nick Pope one is, is, is a nice deal that will reflect well he does have the odd mental game like he loves a red card <laughs> but I'm sure in uh, keep it interesting in Newcastle you can say look he's got that passion that we like down here that and dog. as long as it's not sending you down you can probably put up with it every so often and yeah. Dubravka maybe transitions into the oh he's quite good for a backup keeper well, we had Joey Barton in midfield, so our idea of mental and another club's idea of mental is probably slightly different. Did you see that interview that Shearer did with Milner? No. They've done one for the Athletic. They should be sponsoring us, the amount they've shouted, <laughs> they get on here. Um, yeah, they need a plug, though. They, they've done an interview, and one of the topics they talk about is the um, Boya diet thing. Oh yeah, Class. and he was saying this was the the time of the sports drinks you'd get that were just so thick and sticky, like uh, those real like Lucasade Sport like just thick glucose drinks you'd yeah. get. And he said he got covered when Shearer came in after the game and slammed his bottle down, and he just got drenched as a young lad in Newcastle. <laughs> it was like probably couldn't say anything. No, he said he didn't. <laughs> he said, "I'll tell you what, for as awkward as that dressing room was, no one was happier than Stephen Taylor, who was sent off earlier in that game." 
He said, no one had a go at him. Everyone yeah. just had a go yeah. at the Newcastle two of them. legend. He said he just went in and uh, Shearer told him, uh, you two fuckers, get out there and speak to the press now and just shoved them out. And, Fucking uh, hell. They did that. They did that thing, which is mad. Looking back, where they made him have a handshake in yeah. front of the press yeah. to, to put on the back page. <laughs> oh, so but good. Milner, I've. It's a lot easier to like him when he's not playing for your club because if he's playing for us, he'd probably be starting, knowing what we're like. But God. he's a he's a he's a nice guy to have around. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's great. Like, guy. He's good hearing from him. Um, Sven Botman. Newcastle have agreed a deal worth 37 million plus add-ons, euros that is, um, for the signing of uh, the young centre-back. Now, he's 22 years old. Newcastle tried for him in January, couldn't get it over the line. Um, I think Lille were expecting more takers for him this summer and they could try and drive up a bid in war. Ultimately, Milan looked at the money Newcastle put on the table and said, we can't, we can't pay that. And... Lil tried dragging it out and eventually it wasn't happening and he said look I need to get my future sorted can you just please let me go um, Dutch under 21 international he joined Lil from Ajax in 2020 and helped them to the League 1 title he actually came in to replace Gabriel if you remember um, he's made 79 appearances for the uh, French side 6 foot 5 He's played a minimum of 25 games in every campaign, which, take that how you want. The injuries he's had, he's never had the same injury twice. I think he had an absence with COVID. He's had a knee injury, and there was another one that was like when he was a 19-year-old at Ajax. Um, Good with the ball at his feet. Liverpool actually looked at him to challenge Matip, which is the first time any of us really heard of him. And then they essentially looked towards Canate, and that was an easier deal to do didn't deal with Ajax he had a release clause they got it done I think before the transfer window even started he compliments Dan Byrne quite nicely I think Dan Byrne isn't a uh, meat and drink defender but he's also not he's not John Stones he's not he's also six with seven. the ball at his feet exactly 6'5 so and 6'7 is a big back and now, line, and now Pope who's 6'6 six, six, apparently this year, so yeah, you're gonna not going to want to cross against us now. No, it's a waste it's of time. A, a big bunch back there. He says he idolizes the way the Van Dyke looks after himself. He says um, he says his body is one of the most impressive things in football. <laughs> I feel that's a nice thing to hear. He says he idolizes the attitude of Sergio Ramos. He oh, describes God. himself as being like a defender's defender. He truly just loves the physical side of the game, and so the Premier League should suit him quite nicely. What you do have here now is quite a clear back line, which is what every manager wants to nail down as one of the first things in a club. Target Burn Botman Trippier. You can sign whoever you want for the rest of this window. That is who Eddie Howe wants as his back line. All four of those he's now picked out. And all of them are Trippier probably the least reliable from an injury injury perspective but they obviously think they can keep them on the pitch enough any concern with two left footers at centre back that, that is it people have been questioning whether Dan Byrne is going to be the one to get dropped because I don't, f- I don't necessarily think that Bashar didn't have a bad end to the season him and Byrne was quite a good he's also I think he was the convenient to keep on I, I think he he was good enough and Dan I you can go on my Twitter. I was a defender of Shaw. I think I wanted to be Arsenal at one stage. You're not sure I want that now. Um, 
he's a, he's a good defender, but I don't think Howe is is looking at him in that sense. I think no, I think he's another person who is good to be in the squad for now. Is not a meet. I mean, if one of them got injured, yeah, well, you wouldn't mind if Shard to step up for two or three games. What we read uh, before the window even started was that essentially Newcastle don't see it as that much of an issue. They were just going to get the best defender regardless of what foot he was. What foot is is, is target left foot as well? I'd assume so, a yeah, left yeah, back. Because yeah, yeah, you yeah. usually know about it if it's a right-footed left back or whatever. And he feels pretty uncomfortable. Um, the explanation I've seen from coaches online as to why you don't want too many left-footers, and it's something that's being pointed at Arsenal because we could line up with, I think, eight of our 11 first-team being left-footed now. It's supposedly... Almost as unlikely as having eight asthmatic players yeah. at the start of the level. <laughs> I guess when you have that many left-footed players, it defeats what I'm about to say. But the idea is that you have more right-footed players than than left-footed players. And so the way you open your body up to receive a pass and you want to have it coming into your path is when you're left-footed, you eradicate a lot of the passing lanes that you would like to have. Um, That shouldn't be as much of an issue for a professional player, but that's the reason supposedly that coaches don't like it as much. It is an odd one, isn't it? Because I remember they had discussion with uh, Spain in the Euros wasn't it where well, they had yeah. Pau Torres and Laporte were probably our two best centre-halves but well, they didn't really want to play them together because they're both left but we have no problems playing two right for it's L- a bit of a knock Laporte on, says that's why Deschamps told him he couldn't play for France was because he already had a left footer right okay and so he goes to Spain and then yeah the Spanish media tried saying the reason they, they didn't win the Euros was because they had two left footers a centre-back in truth, it's probably to offset that you had to play Eric Garcia there. You should yeah. think that Amor- Amor- needs Morata up top. <laughs> well, any, any top flight footballer should be both footed enough that if you're in defence, you can play a pass across the bat line and you can take a touch with whichever foot it comes to and play a pass to your left back or your centre back. It's, a, it's so mental with it. Like Arteta will not have anything but a left footer at centre back. It's why Gabriel was one of the first he signed. It's why we're now looking at this Lissandro Martinez because as much as Saliba's coming in, he doesn't want to play him at left centre-back. But he's always balancing a right and a, cent- right and a left in that case, isn't it then? But yes, but no one ever has any issue with two right footers. Well, so, like, so I just don't it's quite... It's why like Tyro Mings will continue to get picked at places I because mean, he's left-footed. No one's ever been more fortunate to be left-footed <laughs> than that man. Christ. And it is, a, it is a thing like... And yeah, it is I odd, don't yeah. remember us ever hearing about it until like 2015... So it's something yeah. that must have been like in fact, coming in. He probably said certain it. Have tended to be pretty rare. If you look at great centre half, not that many left footers. So it, it's not really been. Is it a thing where previously players that were left footed were probably they just attempted to coach them out of it? Yeah, if you were left footed, right, you go at your left wing or left back. Yeah, is essentially you get pushed out there. Um, also, the not been that many ball playing centre backs traditionally, and now. We're inundated with them, yeah. so you got more sort of ballers, and so you got left footers doing that. That's, I did read, I remember around the Spanish squad, a decent article explaining this a little bit more, which I kind of came out of it thinking, I can 60% get on board this, and 40% still thinking, I've just watched like Liverpool's have a really good year with like Van Dijk and Massip, for example. Yeah. I've seen right for they have no problems. So you should be able to sort of any problem you have of it, mirror it. Well, I quoted the Wenger thing last week, didn't I? Where he just says good players can play together and you just make it work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't remember it being a thing previously, but there clearly is something behind it. The other thing as well, at some point, you'll have an error because of it. 
and then everyone's going to jump in on it. But if Botman and Byrne is a good partnership for the vast majority, you take. I think you pay that like price. Like your high line, huh? Like your high line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every now and again, it's going to go up. But if this for ninety nine percent of the time, if it works, don't change it. This this one for me um, feels like the equivalent of the Bruno signing in January. Yeah, where I, I think Newcastle, the signings they bring in, they've got to bring in um, the ceiling raises, which are the Brunos and the Botmans where we say this is the peak level of the squad now and we take this up. And then the targets and the Popes, and I don't know if it's the right way of, of, of explaining it, but like the floor raises where the we start just yeah. to bring the level yeah. of everyone up. And That's if it. you can get the one in each window of the Bruno and the Botman, the players where two years ago, you look at that and it's like, he's not coming to us. I do think, as much as they're not the flashes, they're statement signers, I think. I mean, decent money being spent, yeah, I think, and they're coveted players across Europe that people have always been linked with, and they're they're, big clubs. Se- they're sensible as well because it's not like and the thing that worried me with the Henderson one is it's like I don't look at Man United right now and think why do I want anything that is anything to do with you, yeah, whereas good. I look at these and Lil, you look at the players that have come out of there outside of Nicolas Pepe in the last number of years and you look at Os- <laughs> you look at Osman at Napoli yeah. you look at Gabriel like the the players in the caliber of them they they're trained well they've got good attitudes they've got like a good schooling with the kind of level they've played at decent conveyor belt they've got there actually yeah, and they're coming in at a point in their career where they're still looking to to go up on the way up yeah, and yeah. Newcastle probably understands that if we can get three years out of this player and then he moves on for twice the money that we bought him for, that's not an issue. Then we'll buy two more of them. And that's how you bring the level up of your squad until you get to the point where we don't need to sell these guys anymore. When really, I think Liverpool have shown you this window. I think City has shown you this window. There's no one that's, there's no one that's irreplaceable. There's no one that you can't sell. And so you take the money and as long as you're reinvesting it properly, which was Newcastle's issue previously, it's all good. You just need to get those couple of people in where enough that players on a similar level go okay yeah and raise my eyebrows that's the kind of player I want to go and play with well I think it's been such an important signing for us um, his age being such a big factor because you look at Trippier I think out of all of our players Trippier had the the quickest impact I think those first three games he was incredible and everyone was on board with him but he's, he's going to be what 29, 30 Prob- yeah, 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 yeah in the latter stage of his career same as Dan Byrne He's in the last stages. You look at Pope. I know it's different for a keeper, but he's not hes, he's not, not young as such. Dan Burns probably perfect to be alongside Botman. Yeah. I, well, yeah, someone uh, hopefully sort of how ease the transition. But I think it sends a clear message of of what we want. We're, hopefully, it looks like it's probably something we could have said when you uh, said earlier about what are they putting on their whiteboard of what they're trying to do in the transfer window. You're getting a mixture of your trippiers who were experienced, solid players but they've only got maybe five years left. And then you bring in along someone like Botman, who he's just coming up. He's a bright talent. And I think it sends a clear message of the direction we're trying to move. Which I, I think it's an important sign. Well, it's not. You know? it's, it's a case of um, Newcastle have held their nerve here as well. They clearly identified from January, Botman's the guy we want. Um, they're saying we're not going to be ripped off for him, but we've identified our targets. 
it, you need to have options, but it's not like um, something United have been criticised for where let's look at the best possible guy available and we'll get him whether it's a fit or not. It seems they've done some kind of homework here that they think he can fit into the squad, whether it's his character, everything. And from what we hear about the contract, I don't have a figure, but it doesn't sound like he's bent them over a barrel. Like no. 120 grand a week, I think Bruno's on, which is perfectly reasonable for a player of that time, kind for pretty much anyone other than Liverpool who just, we don't talk about their wages because it makes no sense. Like for everyone else, a standard, a good upper echelon Premier League player, yeah. 120 grand a week, you take that. Yeah. Well, and I, I, like at this stage, I like how our owners have, how their nerve in these early negotiations. It's not the so owners, is it? like, it's going to be, who is was it Graham something before and it's uh, Dan Ashworth now well yeah I, I it's so important in these early days to like well like I said earlier I think it's very hard to shake a reputation yeah. in football as Man United are still paying the price for because yeah. they definitely get a tax and people have absolutely been trying to add a Newcastle tax Set, to some sets of the tone yeah I think it's so important to just lay that now it, don't be wrong it's frustrating sometimes do I want to look and see every single week 50 million signing, 30 million signing, 40 million signing, and you think we want a player, you're off a 30, fine, we'll offer, we'll offer 50. Yeah, it's a bit more exciting that way, but long term, this is such a better way to go. And I, I was, was going to say, is there any part of you that does just think, well, yeah, I like, wish they'd done the madness that people said was going to happen? Yeah, well, just as a, just a, yeah, there, there, there is the little part, but uh, this is, I think for longevity, this is such a, a better way to go. Very sensible. Yeah. The more money you spend, and it's why well, there's going to be um, eyes pointed at a Darwin deal more than any Newcastle signing in, in recent, uh, Liverpool signing in recent times, probably since Van Dijk, is that the more money you spend, the likelihood of it being a failure in the Premier League is quite literally a, a thing. It goes like this. This is how likely it is to be a failure is directly in line with the money that's being spent. Yeah. You need that kind of pressure. pocket, that pocket of about... 30 to 60 really seems to be and that's what City have really kind yeah. of bedded into if you get a lot of those players people kind of almost look at it like you haven't spent big money even well, though you City can. are the perfect and, example really yeah, on yeah. how to do a takeover properly well, and it's yeah. kind yeah, yeah. of just that that level of player means you're not buying someone who is perfectly established already like you're buying still as upside isn't it yeah you're buying the upside of them you're not buying Haaland is a bit of a freak one, but you're not buying like a Ronaldo coming back to United. You're not buying a Lukaku who's 28 years old. Yeah, You're I, buying the kind of 24, 25. Well, I think for me, the best comparison is look at City and look at PSG. Both had expensive takeovers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, both have very good starting lineups, but both of them obviously struggled in Europe. I mean, who would you put your money on winning the Champions League first out of PSG and City? Oh, the yeah. PSG one, to be fair, was managed quite well at at the start, in terms of the signings, they they well, made just gone too far. It's more the wages now are the, are the crazy thing. Like the actual signings they were making, more like the Di Maria's than the Messi's. Yeah, were pretty good. It's more you look at, as you say, they did become a point where they just went top heavy. They yeah. seem to be the kind of if, like, if you can, like it's probably the Cavani like ones at the read. time were, was deemed the, the, the building up yeah. to where they've become was yeah, yeah very good. Actually, well, I, I feel like it seems to me like they've they've read too many stories about them. And they're like, you know, what, I've had enough of it. It's almost a bit like where. When people have said about Pep, does he overthink these big matches? And a couple of times he's addressing, you think, yeah, this probably does bug him a bit. Yeah, I think they've read the jokes about PSG still not winning. They're like, all right, fuck it, we're bringing we're bringing in Messi. Yeah, we're keeping, we're keeping Mbappe. Well, the the deal for the thing with the Newcastle things, right? If they've held their nerve now, they shouldn't 
ever have more testing times than that because there was the whole thing wasn't there was, well get the bottom deal over the line you might go down this year you got yeah. you got to stay up if you can hold your nerve at this point you should be able to hold they your very at much any set, other point set the tone well, that Newcastle attack has to go it, it goes both ways because the Hugo Ekatike deal is believed to be off after a fee was agreed with Rems um, they agreed what was supposed to be a 25 million deal that was structured in a nice way for them and then the agent supposedly just both stopped answering the phone for long periods and then was asking for just increased commissions, crazy wages, and Newcastle basically said, look, you're good, but you're not that good. We aren't prepared to just be held to ransom by a 19-year-old kid who's doesn't had one f- one strong season. No, it doesn't feel like one of those where uh, the club needs him more than he needs the well, club. No, PSG so. are in for him now, so maybe it'll all work out. To be honest, I'm, I'm glad with the decision. And i I got to say, I see on Twitter, Newcastle fans have not been kind to him since this whole saga which I don't fall in that category of hating him he's 19 he's probably he's probably having all these dreams sold to him from his agent so I get it I think he would have been a good sign for us in terms of like I said with a botman building for the future but again I would rather lose a few of these early signings to set that benchmark of we're not being messed around it seems he was never really as sold on Newcastle as perhaps the other players that have come in because the deal could have been done in January couldn't it the fee was agreed then and then it fell through later on and this one's been going on and it's been called a matter of times for what about a month now and that can be just paper talk but if it seems the fee was once the fee is agreed usually the rest is the easy part and it hasn't been I'm, I'm happy to move on I would like I like the idea of him if I'm honest he a lot of the players that we're linked with, I'd be lying if I said, oh yeah, I've seen him I've seen him a hundred times, like they're great. But I like the idea of he's a young striker because Callum Wilson, his ability is not the issue. It's his availability. How many, it's yeah, how many games is he going to play? Yeah, and that, and that is it. Um, so I quite like the idea of look, let's bring in a young talent. He's one for the future. I'd rather that than let's not go and get a 30-year-old. You know, I, I think the model of what we were looking for in him was right, but he's not the only player that fits that profile. Well, it doesn't help when all the press around you and you yourself is saying we are the richest club in the world. So it it is a double-edged sword in. You can't say, oh, why are people holding us over a barrel when you're saying, look at all this money we've got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's I the agree. Consequence of it. um, it's hard to have suffered what we've suffered and not but throw the, that card out every but night again. Not, <laughs> but it's not you that's the issue. It's the people who are making the deals shouldn't be saying, what's his name? Uh, the guy that, the United CEO that's just come out and they're worried about that video of him. Yeah, why well, they're being held over a barrel and then comes out and says, Look, money isn't an issue. 100 million, 200 million, we'll give the manager what he wants. Yeah. I'd love to oh, know how many God. beers he'd had. Oh, well, they they, they like, were going to come to his house, basically. So it was like, do we, so we went we to We could do them. this at the pub or yeah. your house. I love it. It's just general chit chat. Like, should we ask him out? Let's, feels, let's get him another pint first. <laughs> let's get him one more. It feels like the the serious players that Newcastle are interested in, and I know you're really wedded to this idea of Lucas Paqueta. He's not which, coming, but that's my dream. Which, credibly, the journalists around it have never really said that one is a serious one. And it, it's happened with us previously, and you're linked to a player for so long, and then at the end of the window, the journalists go, look, I had no clue why people were so tied in on this, because we never heard anything about it. And this seems like one where Newcastle internally have probably said, oh, look, he's a, he's a nice player. Are we going to negotiate with Leon, who I said to you before from experience, are a vile team to negotiate with. They're up there with Napoli. So you're not going to spend the time. And they will say, look, you're so rich. Give us the cash. And I just won that Brazil trio. I don't believe it's happening, but 
It's... Hey, look, maybe Newcastle, maybe United will get rid of Fred and uh, you can go that way about it. My, my only thing with it is, um, I don't necessarily think he's a player we need. I think Newcastle are in a position where they could go two directions. I don't him. really see where he fits in, to be honest. See, that's where I disagree with a few people, actually, from what I see online. I think Newcastle are in a position where we could go two ways now. We could get... Bruno's obviously showed that he can play a bit further at the pitch. Do you go for a more centre-defensive midfielder? Or do you... We play 4-3-3 three, three at the moment. Do you almost change that to more of a 4-2-3-1 and have him Eddie, the number t- get Paquetta in the number 10 role? I think we've got options. Eddie Howe is wedded to that 4-3-3. Three, three. I, I think so. But, I mean, you can almost play... I think 4-3-3 three, three, three and 4 Two, three, one can almost be very. It's pretty fluid. Well, yeah. Paquetta could yeah. play as an eight. I just think it's what we know about the budget Newcastle supposedly have, and we'll speak about the other targets in a minute. Um, I don't think that's deemed as a priority for. Them. No, and I, you're not. I haven't seen you linked properly to a central midfielder. No, I do agree that I don't think it's a priority as ever positions. My sort of counter argument would be if we've got a player who, if the rumours are true, would be happy at Newcastle. We've got Bruno, which you would think being his best friend is going to tip tip the, the scales in our favour if us and someone else went for him. Do you capitalise on that? It's early days. If you could get him for what we consider a reasonable fee, is, it worth, is it worth getting him? That's the issue. It's not going to be a reasonable fee. Well, up to sort of 60 million, I, I heard. But I mean, you've got to take it all with a pinch of salt. But I mean, if you could get him for 60 million, yeah. do you think... Well, I think Newcastle could sign a better midfielder for 60 million. And I don't even yeah. have a specific name for you, but I think that what they're doing is, well, I'll tell you, I've got the latest kind of article out about what you are looking for, but a central midfielder doesn't seem like that's the one. The, the key names was Botman was always the one you were being linked with. Yeah. Ekatike was the other one. And um, I would compare the Paqueta one to the Serge Gnabry one with Arsenal, where nothing credible was ever said about it. But it was like, well, it kind of makes sense. (laughs) This guy wants to leave, and I don't even know if Paqueta wants to leave, but it ties in with what you said about Bruno. And it was essentially, why not? And that was the explanation why people had, well, it's just been, why not? And that isn't really tying in with what the people closer to the situation are saying. I think if... The Christian Eriksson one, I think you probably have had some kind of talk with his agent and it probably didn't tie in with what he was going to want from Newcastle more than what Brentford could offer or United could offer. In, well, I've read locations a different. massive part of it. Apparently he wants more of yeah. a London-based club, which is fair enough. And, and so I think if you could get a midfielder like that that can raise the level, then it would have made sense. But I don't think you're going to put a portion when... 40 million for a striker is being looked at as we might not be able to afford that. So I think you go for the Botman, we're sold on him. Yeah. I think Clearly we do go for a midfielder, but I, I do think it's some, uh, a much more It'll reasonably be, priced. It's be more likely someone like um, Seko Fofana or Czech Decore or one of those that you can get in that 15 to 25 yeah, range. Yeah, that's what I... I rather the, than the, the names, I didn't have names, but yeah. that's the sort of price region I think we'll... We'll, we'll look at. I suppose they're not in the Tillemans business. I have very. Really? I know for a fact that this one isn't going to be true, but I I love the sound of the one when I hear cash play Shalvey. Yeah, we'll have James Ward Prowse off. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see that happening. Well, he but. he fucked himself when he signed to that contract yeah. extension. I don't know who advised him of that. Horrible. Well, no, that's the problem. He, well, he literally, he literally had, million, be good, he had but, a release clause. Yeah. 
and an expiring contract previously. And what's what's he got? Like ten grand more. You'd a week? probably pay fifty million. And I think that's what the release clause was. It feels like the sort of signing you would. Had he not done that contract, you definitely would have been made. Yeah, because I think that's what the clause was million? before. I don't think you'd grumble at a solid... They're going to want double that. You know, yeah, 100%. But I mean, if you could get him for if it had... 25 to 30. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't um, you turn your nose up. So numerous stories have linked Alanson and Maximan with a move away from the club for a fee of around £40 million. The question here is, is he still the player that Newcastle should be building around? I don't necessarily know you build around, but honestly, I think the idea of getting rid of him, to me, is mental. Because firstly, we'll, we'll go with the fee you said of forty million. What better winger are you bringing in for forty million? I didn't know this was being spoken about. I see yeah. it quite so a lot. Some he, Newcastle fans say we should cash in on him. From what's from what's said, whether it's Newcastle or whether it's the agent, it's kind of been put out there. We don't want to lose him, but if you put forty million on the table, we would take it. Yeah, I, I fifty million is what I was saying. But either way, fifty. You're looking forty. At, he was supposedly offered to Chelsea for forty. Well, I, I think you'll look at... What's Rafinha for you? 60, 65? This is the big question. This is the big question. Yeah. I think Bruno has shown that if you're going to build around a guy, that's the guy. Yeah, the yeah, I would agree. I don't it's, think you build around It's tough to build around a winger anyway. Especially one... Yeah, so... As in and out as a maximum can be. I guess what we'll see this summer moving forward is as the level of as the level improves at Newcastle we'll kind of have the answer to the question as to would he thrive with did he just thrive with having all the responsibility at Newcastle and will he fade out as he's at a bigger club or a better team as will be in a sense here because his issue is that when he's bad he absolutely stinks so badly yeah, yeah and he doesn't defend which has been a massive criticism of him he's certainly a luxury yeah, yeah and last election. season you saw more of those performances than you'd have liked. Well, um, they, they say that's one of the reasons why we looked at Target instead of Lodi was price yeah. and the fact that because he is happy to defend, it relieves St. Max and some of these dudes. He did sense. suffer very badly with COVID and until the end of the season, I would say, from January onwards, probably until the last couple of games, you played far more functional football than would have, than would have suited his game. You weren't playing Burnley or I know in the last few months we've been told Burnley weren't actually a boring side really good footballing team under, under, the moment they, they went down they actually we've lost a footballing team but Eddie Howe certainly had a thing in mind that was far more rigid than we 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 played when we were at Brockworth we had a lad called Chris in our team who was a year below us and he went to play for some academy in America but he was that good at that that age that essentially the game plan was kick it to him and he'll do the rest and I don't doubt at some point Steve Bruce has said, we'll keep it tight, give it to him, and we'll see what he can do. 100%. When you're scrapping for your life, that doesn't really work like that. You need everyone having a job and chipping in. It does happen, it doesn't Yeah, but if you get 10 people scrapping and one guy's a bit of a talent, that does work. I mean, But then that one guy does have to then put the numbers up. But it's very much, uh, and it feels a cheap comparison, but there's a half thing for years at Palace where you had... He runs his numbers up. At various points, though, we've looked at it and said, Zaha's great, end product. If I told, Balaki, and if I told you... early in his Premier League well, no, career well, compared to someone like Zaha. I'm talking a few years. St. Maximin right. has 11 goals in his Newcastle career. He's got 11 goals and 13 assists in 86 Premier League games. The assists I give, I cut him a lot more slack on because with Wilson's out injured a lot. You've got Chris Wood who doesn't score. And when you look at some of the chances well, I guess he does create... An indication is that clubs are scrapping over Rafinha and they're not too bothered about St. Maximin. But then I think Leeds... 
I think Leeds might be easier to get to get from at the moment. I don't think that Newcastle actually want to sell if, him. If if the if the idea is out there, forty million, it is odd that, that would be out there. That if clubs were sold on him, then no one's at least had a word and gone. Well, we'll take him off your hands if you want some money to spread a bit wider. And I'm a fan of Maximin. I think if you were doing a, a list of top five players that you want to watch in the Premier League, oh. I think he's a guy that you can tune in and I would watch a Newcastle game just to see what he does. And he has games like the game against uh, West Ham, I think it was, on a Sunday afternoon, where it was one of those games where he was prepared to take the ball and I'm winning this for us. And he drove and I think he got two goals just that, driving that himself. That one against Everton stands out for me. Yeah. and He was phenomenal. All game. And I think he played quite well against you, actually. So last season was his best goal return at the club and he scored five. Yeah. That's why I think if you were calling the franchise player a few years back, maybe Bruno's come in and maybe it's... Andy thinks Woody's his main man. He sees a Buzz Lightyear. And he's like, you know well, what? Well, that's it. It's how he takes... Woody doesn't flash and he doesn't have wings. It's how he takes share in the limelight, you know? Um, I, I love St. Maximin. I think there are some legitimate questions about him. Is his end product going to improve? I think that's a fair enough concern. And um, is he a player that would that is just wants to be the best man in a worst team? Or is he going to improve with the team? But in every in any way I look at it, it makes no sense. One, like I said earlier, I don't see who you replace him with that's better for the money you get for him. Two, I think, um, well, do you know what? He didn't actually have the best end to last season. His stock is probably lower. No, you'd right? be saying what stock's lower. I think he, you he give played, him this season. That's the most games he's ever played for Newcastle last season. He made 35 appearances. But there, perhaps there's more of a focus on him. When, when you're scrapping for your life, everyone is looking at everyone to be doing the same. Yeah. And so where... Rafinha and it's coming like I'm just defending him because he's linked with Arsenal when you can take that I could give you another name from another team um, I think you look at Rafinha and one of them seemed like everything was on that man to keep them up and he was scoring important goals whereas Sir Maximin looked like a part of the team and maybe it's because you weren't I scrapping later in the season sometimes which is to his detriment as a consider sometimes he sometimes gets fouled he, he may just... just need a reset it may just, I think if you were to get another winger in, which may be the thing, it's going to be a winger slash striker, what you're supposedly looking at. And if he just is told, like, this is your side, if he can isolate a wing and he's given a job rather than, I need to put the team on my back and drive, if he could just be like, Sterling is at his best when he can just look and like, you're my man and I'm going at you and I'm going at you and going at you. And he just terrorises someone as a hard does it for 90 minutes. Maybe that's what's going to be better rather than spreading him across the pitch, just well, yeah. keeping him down one side. Well, yeah, one, one thing I firmly think of him is with the ball at his feet, he is as good as anyone. He, he, there's that stats from like the most dribbles completed in, in Europe, I think it was this season. When when you're looking at just pure dribbling with a ball, I honestly think there are very few people better, him than, uh, better than him, sorry. But yeah, it's the end result. But I think, he is the one saving grace that Newcastle have had for these last few seasons in terms of maybe not numbers, just a reason to even turn the TV on and watch mm-hmm. him. So if I'm honest, I think if nothing else, we owe him a season to to do it in a, in a good team. And two, like I said, he didn't have the best end to last season. If we're being quoted sort of 40 to 50 million from now, you imagine he has a pretty decent season. Yeah. You're looking at yeah. 60 plus for him. So it, it seems 
a strange time to cash out. Yeah, I don't think you will. I think it's no, interesting. When the will, stories but... pop up, it's usually... You can pinpoint the ones that have been placed almost because if it doesn't make sense, then someone's put it there for a reason. Yeah, I can say someone's put it out for a reason because there's no reason no, otherwise it's come out. And St. Maximin to Chelsea in the grand scheme of everything else that's going on in this window, that isn't one that is making you click on the Daily yeah. Mail or the Sunday Sports or whatever it is. So that feels like maybe once a new deal, maybe Newcastle are kind of testing the waters. The thing is, I know that teams with Champions League football and teams with, to be honest, Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea, I understand those those teams are always going to entice a player. But I think that in the Premier League, there's very few more exciting places to be at the moment than Newcastle. It's a team with all this money. It's a team with momentum. It's a team with good squad morale and a team that you think is on an upward tra- uh, trajectory. I think Arsenal's another one that since the rebuild... I think they're. Don't bust cer- me up here. I think they're certainly a more exciting proposition than they would have been three years ago. Oh, for sure. You know, and I, I think that there's we players. Don't talk that, about those times. I think there's players that are going to want to be part of that, and I, I wonder why you'd subject yourself to what you did the last couple of seasons, playing into the the football you did, and not at least think, let's have a season. You stuck around for the shit. You may as well just. I don't think, I don't think he wants that. I don't think he wants that. No, I, uh, the prime example I think right was. Uh, well, I did, I did an apprenticeship and I was on £2.64 an hour. And then when I qualified, right, it was still shit money. It was like £7.50. And I could have got more than that stack of showers in Tesco. But I thought, I owe it to myself to have this company pay me £7.50 an hour. Because yeah. I've just done two years on, what, yeah. £2.64. I'm having that £7.54, yeah. you know? I mean, that's it. You, you've played through this shit. You want, to enjoy, you want to enjoy it now when you can, you know? I do think he'll be interested with a, a team that's getting better as well, just in that I hear what you're saying about it. And it feels an odd thing because at one point when his stock was quite high, he was getting licked with Liverpool, wasn't he? I was kind of pumping the brakes on him a little bit just and said, he's a fun player to watch, got the X factor, but in terms of the end product, I do think he's lacking a bit. And for a team like Liverpool, who Mane and Salah are very direct, isn't exactly a like-for-like for them. I do think with better players... It opening up a little bit more for Newcastle. He should be able to, in the same way as Zaha's just had his best, numbers-wise, his best year for Palace because they've got better attacking players, Vieira's playing better football and it has been less focused on, right, Zaha, you get us out of trouble, you can spread it around. But that is contingent on the fact that I think Zaha, despite what people say about him, on the whole, probably has an attitude that's meant he's happy to do that. Whereas, it's if Sir Maxman does want to be the, the main guy rather than a part of a team if, which if you're saying about him sulking is be the red flag for me everything else I think well, yeah, is there. if he does sulking. want to be big fish in a small pond and the thing is, that's some not of the where Newcastle are going no and to be honest some of the sulking I will cut some slack for because it's got to be pretty annoying just getting your shins kicked week in a week because that is it as soon as St. Max flies up some players though Oh, yeah, definitely. He defies him up, to be fair. I don't, want to, I don't want to call him a sulker. No, I, no, I wouldn't label him as a sulker. I would say he has on a couple of occasions. But when things aren't going well, and it is just every time you get the ball, if, if someone can foul him at the halfway line, you're going to. You're not going to... As soon as he gets running at you, defenders are terrified. Yeah. We yeah, run yeah, him in the Emirates and you hear people say, kick him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, if I was a defender, that's exactly what I'd be doing, so I get it. But bet. you've got to understand that that's probably going to get you some weeks, you know. Do you think, though, in just terms of how things changed, if you put a Twitter out, Twitter poll out to 100,000 fans a year and a half ago, 
and you ask them to order Jared Bowen, Rafinha, and Maximin. And then a year and a half later, how you think that would have changed? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think Jared Bowen would have been ahead of Sir Maximin a year and a half ago. He'd have finished top of that, wouldn't he? Now he would, I think. No, I mean, um, Sir Maximin, yeah. yeah. he'd have been top. I yeah. don't think people would have questioned it. No. And now, now he's, he's probably firmly been... bottom. Yeah. yeah. He, he I, I think his assist, most certainly, I, I think they'll... He perked up when um, Willock came in and he was like, I've got someone else here that is yeah. a bit of, is, it just has a level I think he is all going to rely on if he buys into this thing or not. I think his assist will go up this season. I think he's working with a lot better. And um, so I, I think... I'll Probably just needed a break. Yeah. There's I, a crazy part of me. If if you're talking about 40 million. They're talking about 35 to 40 for Sterling to Chelsea. There's a part of me that goes... I roll the dice and just go on some maximum just oh. for a bit of fun. Just to see if he oh, can no, work. No. Sterling is like such a more obvious sign. He's much more sensible. Hey, Clearly the better player. Yeah. And yet, which makes has just got that something where you're oh, maybe. I think the talent is there for him. I think his ceiling is... I think his ceiling is very high. I think he is... Look, I, I think he's one of the best dribblers in the world. And when... There's very few players, I think, that, in, that have the fear factor he has when he runs at a team, you know? The the best descri- the best summary I ever saw of him was against uh, Burnley in the game you drew two two which would have been just after maybe it was around Christmas and he was garbage like as bad as you could possibly be and then he picked the ball up um, by the corner flag drove inside beat two players and banged it in the bottom corner <laughs> and then he was pretty much stunk after that as well and it was like this this doesn't make any sense at all and I think the issue he has is if there's one thing, if there's a shortage of strikers, if there's a shortage of fullbacks, there's never going to be a shortage of wingers because they're just everywhere. And 40 million, you can probably get a serviceable winger for. So I don't think he should consider himself to be irreplaceable in the way that he may have been previously. But I've also seen that price tag put on Jack Harrison this summer. So maybe 40 million is something you say, hang on a minute, we'll, we'll, we'll wait a bit and we'll see how this goes. And, I I don't think Eddie Howe would would give up on him now, mainly just because it's a replacement right. job that you don't want to be doing. They can afford stage. to take a chance on some matchman as well. It's not like, talking about him like he's a finished player. It's yeah, just interesting when the rumours come be, out. Shouldn't be fine relegation, but you're not changing for the title. You can afford to take a gamble on a player with the X factor, and you don't really have anyone else like him. So it's no, good no, to have someone like much of a challenge to him. No. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's face it, his sort of career can go. He could be the main guy in a Newcastle team, or go to a, another club and be, you know, a city or whatever, and do a ball out. Or he could be follow the career trajectory of like Felipe Anderson or, or Adama Traore, who at one stage of their careers, both of them, you'd have gone, well, they're going to go for big money to a big team, and both seemingly don't look like they're going. I've been describing him the whole time as this is what Nicolas Pepe was supposed to be at Arsenal. <laughs> but the, the thing is, right, if if you actually just even forget how whether he's going to have a good or a bad season. It shows the exact opposite of ambition, which is, we've just had this big takeover. Why sell yeah, the person who's been your best player? It, it, do, it doesn't make sense, you know? It's a horrible well, look if you suck your way out when the team's getting good. Yeah, That's and then imagine look. you get rid of him and then the person you bring in doesn't hit. Because suddenly, yeah, all true. these question marks over St. Maximin, if, if his replacement doesn't hit the ground running, suddenly every... I'm assuming he's forgotten about him. This well, why do we start saying? I'm assuming he still retains quite a lot of popularity amongst the fan base as yeah. well. Yeah, so w- it's not a 
The, I do see people saying cash in on him. I, I see the time. I, I, like I, like I, I see people saying that. No. I see like people saying that about Saka and Smith Rowe. So I think there's just some freaks yeah. in every uh, fan base. No, I, I'll defend him. I, I think I do question whether he is going to always be the man for us. I I could see how it could go on a trajectory that we part ways, but I don't think we're there at the moment. I think this season will going to be fun. Yeah, I think this is a very telling season. Let's move on. So a player that was brought in, and there are question marks around also, is Joe Willock. Uh, Last season, he played 2,045 minutes. His previous highest in the Premier League was 979, and that was in a 14-game loan spell where he scored eight goals to keep Newcastle in the Premiership. Last season, he scored two, but was played part of the midfield three, where his athleticism was relied upon more than his final runs. Um... It was also the most injury hit season he'd had. Maybe it was the additional minutes. I don't know. He picked up three knee injuries plus COVID that derailed kind of any progress he had. Um, the key thing for him moving forward is how he, ident- how he identifies himself in Eddie Howe's team. And it's whether he's seen as a guy like he was at Arsenal. He can play midfield. He can play the 10. He can play left wing. Or it's whether Eddie Howe does move forward and you said earlier there's different ways you can play the midfield he does seem quite wedded to Shelby in the way that Newcastle fans thought he was going to come in and Shelby was going to be bombed out and his first press conference he was just marvelled over Shelby and what a beautiful player he was because there's some Newcastle fans and I don't know how effective it would be say look we paid this money for Joe Willock let's move Shelby to the side Bruno Deeper will have Joe Joe Linton and Joe Willock in front of him as two eights on paper I think that could be that looks fantastic in the Premier League, it's perhaps not that easy. Well, the issue is we do look better with Shalvey. And thus, he's not better than any of those ever we just mentioned. No, and in, in the 4-3-3, and your system is very similar to ours. And we won't have the debate that we were having the other day now, because it could go on for a while. But Thomas Partey is very, very individual as a, as a midfielder that can kind of play that lone six with two eights in front of him, not even anyone more defensive in front of him. There's very few that effectively can play the position of two midfielders. Now, whether you say Bruno is better than Party or not, yes. Bruno is not... Okay, I was going to ask what the... Uh, that's what yeah, it was, yeah. Bruno is not playing that that level of six in a midfield where the work rate, the defensive, and just everything in that in that package. That's just yeah. not what he is. Yeah, I see the... I understand the argument for Newcastle fans is... Let's just play Bruno higher, and let's bring in a more a Shelby, essentially a Shelby. Well, so that's that's where I think Willock then struggles because it's like, okay, well, are you putting Joe Linton at the team or are you putting Bruno at the team? Right. And Joe Linton and happening. Bruno are probably the first two names exactly. on the team. Sheet it's just not happening. Yeah. So you're then moving on from a, a 25 million pound signing at the start of last season that when you look at it now, it was essentially brought in, it's like a shut up signing from Mike Ashley. It was like, we're not signing anyone else. Just leave me alone. I've given you what <laughs> yeah. you want. And I think after Steve Bruce got him, they said that they were looking for two to three more loan signings after they promised a big summer. And then the opening day of, I think after three games of the season, he did that press conference where he said, well, look, I think my job here is to keep us ticking along and keeping our Premier League status, which just wasn't the message that, Help yourself. Yeah, that they wanted sent out. So that Willock, I'm sure, was sold. And I don't doubt this was the idea when Mike Ashley bought him as, 
you're the guy that's going to transform our team. You've kept us here. You've kept us in the league. You're going to add to that now. You're even more embedded in the team. We're going to add new players. And it just hasn't quite kicked on like that because he's just a somewhere in the middle player. Whereas Eddie Howe is very specific in the roles in his team and what he wants them well, to do. I, I love Joe Willock. And to be honest, I think his biggest flaw in Newcastle is that he, he hasn't scored a goal every single game like he did in that one season. But that was never going to happen. It's like everyone says Nanny's biggest criticism to Man United was that he wasn't Ronaldo. Right, but he was never going to be. You know? Yeah, it was 18-14, but it was eight in a row, wasn't it? It was yeah. eight games in a and row. And I think it was, uh, it was something like he was the youngest Newcastle, uh, the youngest player to do that in Newcastle. Yeah. Or something like the youngest that. youngest player in the league to do it. Yeah, well, I, I, I do like Joe like Willock and it, it does pain me that I I do struggle to see where he fits in. In, yeah. well, in what I want for him. Like, I, I actually... I, I'm not happy with him being a bench player. I mean, no. I am. I'm happy to have him coming off the That's bench. That's also how you improve is having. Well, yeah, when, how, where, where you rate him or not is. Yeah, I'm all mean for for him actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to have a player like that on the bench. But oh yeah. I like Joe Willock. I would have no hard feelings if he said, "Look, I want first team football and I want to go." But we look better with Shalvey on the pitch. Not necessarily Shalvey instead of Willock, but Shalvey is the one out of all those midfielders that is happy to sacrifice himself for that defensive role. Yeah, Eddie Howe will have to challenge him and say that at some point, Joe Linton, Bruno are going to need a rest. At some point, they're going to be injured. And then it's on you. And Eddie Howe does seem quite fair in that once you've earned your place in there, then someone else has got to take it back off you, which is what Bruno found. Well, Willock's best chance is if is if he says to, to Bruno, you are now, you are, we want you as a Shelvy replacement. I think he's got a better chance of nicking minutes on, on the wing, to be honest. That's another route I've questioned going down because he's, he played there for Arsenal, but he's also not fast enough to be an out and out winger, and he's not silky enough to be a kind of ISO winger where he's more you, you just drifts in inside from that position. I actually question a little it's bit not why, work. He and then, but they're not solid enough to be just a central midfielder. Good no, his, his main attribute more than his late runs, which is why he does work in this system, is his legs. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the the distance he covers, which it always feels like a bit of an insult when you say that's a player's best attribute. But in Eddie Howe's system, where you play the, the eights like that, that is a huge thing to have. But ultimately, you do have to then offer as much as what the other two offer because they off, they also offer legs. I was going to say, I said they're not lacking in that department. No. And the, probably maybe a victim of your own versatility or whatever, but when you don't nail down yeah. a position, particularly if you're moving between, say, a 10 or a wing people aren't going to trust you in the middle of midfield because you're not having to learn the sort of the tactical discipline that a central midfielder needs. Was it Was it the Everton... Which seems to not think it's John Linton's worked it out, yeah. but he's I'm maybe a sure one-off. It was, it was Everton or Burnley. It was one of the bigger games that Newcastle had last season. I think it may have been the Everton Was this one. the late goal? No, but it was like the best performance he had. It was a game where it was on Amazon Prime and I remember them raving about him after the, after the game and how good he was. I think he is very good. And it was like, okay, this is where he's going to move on and then Bruno came in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think he's very good. And uh, to be honest, I feel a bit sorry for him because I have no doubt that it probably was sold to him that you were coming here to be the main man. And uh, yeah, I definitely. think he's good enough to potentially earn himself some minutes, push one of these people out. I have a horrible, horrible feeling that Bruno is going to be a player that picks up injuries. I don't know. He's not shown that previously. No. That's just you uh, being I think that pessimistic, be being pessimistic, but maybe you can then compare him to party. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, certainly if, uh, if Shalvey's going to be solidified as he is, if we don't get a replacement, he is, 
you think Bruno dropping into Dushawi's role and Willett coming in. And you never know if that works and hits the ground running. Because I, I think we bought Bruno to be defensive. I think it just... I think you bought him. He was the best available midfielder that you could have and he was a level raiser for you. Probably someone at the start of the window you didn't anticipate being able to get. Sign him and think about it later with him, isn't it? But let's let's move on because we've got a couple more things to get through before we... Uh, call it a day so um, your man Craig Hope put out an article about 20 minutes before we started recording on what Newcastle's expectations are for the rest of the window now he confirmed like others that the Ekatike deal is not happening he says there is interest in Chelsea forward Armando Broja who spent last season on loan at Southampton Newcastle are waiting to see what Chelsea's intentions are for the 20 year old Albania international before deciding on their next move they also like Sassuolo and Italy striker Gianluca Scamacca, but there is a feeling that he'd prefer to stay in Serie A. Alessio Madrid are now also... <laughs> Every Italian player ever. <laughs> yeah, Alessio are in for him now as well, and Simeone with a big blow like that up front just yeah. feels like money to me. And yeah. him and Yao Felix, get them in a two with just little and large, I just want to see that now. Get Yao Felix out of there. Um, Real Sociedad's Alexander Isaacs on the club's radar, but a fee in excess of forty million is likely to prove prohibitive given financial fair play limitations. Calvert Lewin's situation at Everton's being monitored, but he too will almost certainly cost too much, and there are doubts within St James's Park about his form and fitness. Then they say in wide areas, Newcastle have watched Leeds duo Rafinha and Jack Harrison. The former would be the dream signing for Howe, but again, the financials involved would likely be beyond their current budget. Newcastle are monitoring the situation. So it seems a striker or winger is the next thing that you're after. And whether that's the last signing you make and then you see what else you can do with the money that's left. But clearly attacking options are what you want to add now. You've got the defence sorted out. Um, I guess you can't rely on Callum Wilson to go a whole season without picking up an injury. He's very much in Tierney territory where it's not if, but it's when. Yeah, more so probably. And so maybe that's where Willock gets his entrances. Joe Linton is expected to fill in up front. That's what I was going to say. I was surprised he didn't get more minutes up top with uh, some of the absences we've had from Wilson because I don't think he gets enough credit. He's got a very good instinct for goal. I I think think when you spend 25 on Chris Wood, then... You kind of got to play him, haven't you? And Chris Wood, one of them where Newcastle fans will tell you his efforts didn't show up on the score sheet, but he did a lot more than what the stat line would have you believe. Uh, is it, I think in years to come, that'll, that transfer is going to be looked at as a miss, but it served a purpose yeah. for where we were, and who taking, it took yeah. a player from. You're going to sign a lot of players for a lot more money than him, so it'll probably get <laughs> yeah. lost. Yeah, it? and plus I seen a tweet, it was, if you just look at it as... Pope costs you 25 and Wood costs you 10. You're going to feel a whole lot better about the situation. <laughs> One that's really... Yeah, that's, that's a little bit like me, though. When uh, See, the Andy Carroll business was actually fine because in the same window, we signed Suarez for 22 minutes. <laughs> so it's basically all the same. It's all fine. Yeah. That wasn't an overspend at all. It's fine. The one that's really got under my skin since reading about it is um, Jesse Lingard. Now, <laughs> are you saying this, Roger? Yeah, Lingard supposedly did speak with Newcastle at the start of the window and pretty much told them what I'm after far exceeds what you're going to be prepared to give me. He he pointed out that Bruno is on, we, we believe with the add-ons and things, about 140 grand a week. He's looking for 200 plus. <laughs> now, no I've got to tell you, Jesse, <laughs> at this stage what? of the window, the fact nobody else has offered you that should maybe tell you something. What? Um, the fact he's 29. I have no doubt West Ham offered him a big deal when they were prepared to bring him in that window. 
Take it off in two hundred grand a week, though. No, but I. Uh, he probably thinks I'm a free agent. We we've cut out a lot of the costs, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not paying me the ten million transfer fee. So that should go into my pocket instead. The thing is, some I, teams don't want to ruin their wage structure. No, well, also not for Jesse Lingard. No, <laughs> no. and we consider not doing it for Salah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much you read into it, but when so much has been said about the leaks at United and how everyone's pretty much said. We're not sure if Pogba was the second. Jesse Lingard was absolutely the first. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure in a in a team. As I say, again, I say it's not individual. But when so much is about keeping this close knit, at least for now, where you can perhaps bring the egos in later. That's been Jesse my Lingard against him. Well, I think you will actually go in for him later in the window. I think you might say, "Look, this is what we're prepared to give you. Do you want to take it? Do you want to leave it?" And you have an attacking option on the other side. But I'm not sure. I'll get back in yourself. I was looking at like Bruno and going, oh, I've got to have 60 grand more than him a week. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And, and these reports were from a combination of these, but the majority were from the Athletic as well. So it's not like I'm giving you... Uh, the sport. The, yeah, the, the Sun the Sun's Sunday gossip column. Like this is, this is from credible journalists that haven't worded it as harshly as I have, but they say... He had the meeting with them and he pretty much told them, look, we're looking at different things here. You wouldn't be surprised if he briefed his brother to tell the journals. Oh, he's looking for 200 grand a week, by the way. If you could separate the two, I definitely want the player. I just don't know if I want the attitude. And and, and that that is it. And again, do we necessarily need him? He pulled Jenna Frooms and that ego, understandably, went through the roof. And then West Ham fans told him, you are a god. I, I like, would you know be, what? <laughs> I would be excited if we got him. I, I, For your master say about Jennifer Rooms. <laughs> no, I, I would excited. 100% be excited if, if we landed him. But again, if we... I would question where he would fit in. That, that's I exactly it. Because I think we're going to go for more defensive midfielders. I don't think it's exactly the same, but I think you'd have another Willett problem, really. Hey, you, Jesse, I think yeah, I, I think, think they'd bank on him playing on the other side of St. Max. Yeah. That would be... That's, but then a player his age who obviously has the ego he has... Is he not going to come in and think, well, I'm good enough that you change your system for me to fit in? I'm not changing my position. Yeah, I think, I think a winger you. at Newcastle's f- fairly simple in what you're being asked to do. Like, if Ryan Fraser it's, can play it, all due respect, I wanted him at Arsenal at one stage. Like, <laughs> is, is Jesse that guy now? Is it probably more I, of a 10 I, if you're going to yeah, play I think him. a lot of stock is being, is being put in the West Ham one, where at least if, I mean, if he was playing as a 10, the work was coming from wide, and then it was... Yeah, 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 yeah. And his stats at West Ham are very good. With was it nine, nine goals and four games? New, at Newcastle, I mean, you, you would probably say we had that with Willock, and so you can yeah. probably draw yeah. parallels. I just West Ham was the move for him. It was always the move for him. The fact he didn't make it. Well, he wanted his, his photo ops with Ronaldo. And, yeah, that's pathetic. And then and then the club fucked him over. Yeah, in January. Well, I only but, want him if it makes sense. I don't want him to come with. A bad attitude. Well, the thing wage is stupidly higher than everyone else. There clearly just, is you know, interest in him by the fact that Newcastle were in for him for all of January to the point where they yeah, were going to yeah. pay in the end. What was it like an eight million loan fee or something mental? Mm. So they clearly really like the player. Um, it's whether it's how much of that was desperation at the time and how much of that now you go. All right, maybe we're not on deadlines anymore. No. We've got a summer to think about yeah, this. We can rationalise it all a little bit, like more in depth. The now. one that made more sense. And maybe if I hadn't heard the limitations, with the moose was the Moose of Diaby one. Now I don't think he's going to cost sixty million like they're saying. I think he's probably going to cost closer to fifty, which is 
still big money, but it fits in with the, look, this is a guy that's trying to take the step up in his career, wants more responsibility. He's not going to be on crazy wages. That's the main wing I've seen us linked with. But, in terms the the of prices yeah. are getting crazier. And I think there's going to be something where we think Spurs are in for a Charleston. Um, I'm encouraged by the Rafinha thing, but I do also think the longer this takes, the more someone like Chelsea or someone else going to go, well, well, we could do with him as well. And so I think there's going to be a tier below that, or at least a tier around that, where the clubs go, we couldn't get him, who else are we going to get? And Moussa Diaby probably fits into yeah, that yeah, kind definitely. of range. Um, the next thing I did want to say is, should any of the top eight sides be concerned about Newcastle this season? I would personally say so. If not for taking a spot, certainly for taking points off them. Well, if we look at the teams that finished above them last season, I think internally they'll be looking at Wolves and Brighton as teams they think they can overtake. Whether they can or not remains to be seen. After that, though, they're looking at Leicester and West Ham. Who, who was you, the top eight? If you got that? I've, I mean, the top four was, as we know, then you've got Arsenal and United and then you've got uh, West, West Ham, Ham. and... Uh, Did Leicester end up? Again? No, they didn't. Eighth, eighth was... Palace? It's annoying because I did have this written. You said Brighton. Is he? Is it then? No, and it wasn't Wolves either. You sure Leicester didn't finally end up nicking it? No, they didn't because Brendan was saying how beautiful it's going to be to have a a season without any any, uh, European football. Eighth one I got. Is that I got Europe? I know they ended up fourth. Yeah, seventh seventh West Ham, eighth Leicester, ninth Brighton, tenth Wolves. Um, Top ten certainly, I think, should be yeah, but concerned. I, top eight. So, so actually, I, actually, I meant seven. So, uh, should any of those be concerned? Should anyone up to Leicester be concerned? And I think the answer is probably not at this stage. It remains to be seen what else Newcastle do. I need to see another attacking signing. Certainly, I think. Yeah, on the basis because that I don't. If Callum Wilson's going to be injured for half the season, yeah. if Chris Woods is your guy, he's not going to. Well, I mean, even you look. Um, Look, maybe United's window is that bad that you can get dreamy. I, I wouldn't go there yet. But even below them, Villa have already spent sixty million on yeah, Coutinho, yeah. Uh, Diego Carlos, uh, Robin Olsen, and then they got Kamari on a free. Palace may feel they can do better next season. Another year, they've got to bring in some more players. Um, so it's certainly not going to be. Well, we finished eleventh last season. We're going to be better next season. Let's face it. Everyone thought. It was a disaster of the year for Leicester, so they'll hope to be better as well. I don't... I think going in thinking, oh, we've got a guaranteed top eight would be stupid, certainly. But I think guaranteed top ten for, would be stupid. I think top ten is... I think top ten should be the goal. And yeah, I think well, you, yeah, but you it's not a guarantee. A, uh, I think you assess it maybe January. You think if I if I was to bring in such and such... I think the club would consider themselves eight. very disappointed if they don't. I think other so teams... They're going to invest not, half decent money, eh? I think other teams to not consider us somewhat of a threat. Honestly, I think it's foolish. So I, think you, I don't I, think you any got, of them are looking at you as a threat. I think there's so many teams now. I mean, you used to have, what, the big four. Then it's the big six. I think we're getting to a point, really, when you're looking at a big eight. In, I don't in think any of the top seven are going, I'm worried about Newcastle next year. Uh, I, I think more so on a game-to-game basis than taking a position. Yeah, but I mean, like, in terms of taking position, every team is going to face a decent side in the Premiership and not necessarily be worried, but they're going to identify that they have some level of threat to us. I don't think 
any of those teams are looking over their shoulder at Newcastle yet and saying, if, we need to- if I had to place a bet on where I think Newcastle finish, and I really could regret it, uh, I think ninth. Bullish. I think we make the top ten, I but I do think yes. we miss Europe. Well, at what point? At what point are we expecting uh, them to compete? Because when the new ownership came in, they immediately spoke about winning the Premier League and the Champions League. I don't know whether they regret that. Uh, I think they put some very quite far away dates in it. I, no, think well, they... I want the date from you. What's your what, time scale? The date for we win some or the date no. before we get Europe, for example. When should we be expecting them to compete uh, I think at the top? I think we get Europe in three seasons. That's, I don't know, that's that, Europe, top, but... that conference, Europa... Uh, certainly Europa Champions League I th- certainly I think Europa I, I honestly I don't I, I think we will just miss it but I don't feel that outraged that if we were to get conference next season I think that's the best we could hope for next season is- I think that depends on other teams around us strengthening but I think that is achievable I just from- think that's the very high end of the achievement from the fan base it feels like there's almost no pressure going into next season like there is this, an assumption that you're above relegation standard now. Well, that's so we it. so we see what happens. You've we've been ground down for so long that that's the funny thing that when people said, "Oh, you quote Mbappe and you got Chris Wood," it's like no one in the Newcastle fan base, other than the stupid few that every fan base has, was really expecting these things. Yeah, just to turn up, be competitive, and to be enjoyable to watch. That to is watch, really yeah. all this, all that we're hoping for at the moment. I think if we finish. 10th you'd have a very very happy fan base what do you think their expectations should be for next season yeah I think Harry's probably right that Conference is probably top end of the ambitions I would say if you look at the teams above unless they do something crazy in the rest of this transfer window they're not significant they're improved, improved enough to bridge that gap I don't think need these sponsorships but if you look at the but, seasons before last season we were finishing about 12th yeah, you, you, you yeah. certainly think that we should be improving on that the funny thing the only thing with expectations you are right, so I don't think there's much expectations at the minute. If, per se, you got off to just a fly of a start, that might shift. Yeah. I if think... you're into a spot where you're I around know. the top four... I know what can happen there. ...going into like the World Cup, for example, which is going to break up this season, then have a bit of a dip back to where you probably belong. It's going to feel like you've underachieved when you've probably yeah. just achieved. I think we could be victims in very much the same way Liverpool are, that if you didn't just miss... City, no one's really talking about. Yeah, just miss. People, yeah. people are happy with with the season if you finish ten points behind City. And it's oh, we we were second. Yeah, but then yeah, did we like? Should we have got first? But what was it, a point or, or, or something? I think we could fall victim to that. That we start better than people think, and then suddenly when it comes back to earth, you're not thinking great. I got. You're not thinking, oh, great, I got 10th. You're thinking, we should have got 8th. Longer time scale-wise, you know? though, think saying Europa in the next three years, I think is a conservative estimate, really. I think they've got to be, you have to be doing that, I think, and pushing. If you're not in the Champions League, knock on the door in three years. I think if we consider yeah. a window like this one, if we consider there's going to be a couple more additions, if you consider they're going to do that each window, I think you'd the have impression to be. We get is the owners are going to be saying, look, we've, we've got to be. The oh, impression definitely. we get is they're going to be maximising every summer and January. Yeah, and considering the spot they're in now, where obviously under Ashley, you're well within financial fair play, it makes sense to maximise it now the, whilst, you, whilst you can, yeah, whilst I this window if, is here. I think if if you were to ask the owners, the, I think the, the option, the, the, the answer you give is 
top tens to goal. But I quietly do think that behind closed doors, Privately, Europe yeah. is 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 ultimately the goal. They just need to get the sponsorship sorted, and then that's when you can start actually properly spending money. Well, apparently we're in the last year with was it funny? Even then, you can bring in more. It doesn't have to be a sponsorship on your shirt. And we know the golf, the Saudi golf, is the one that's supposed to be coming in. And <laughs> the, the old city others. sponsorship yeah. deal. So yeah. there, there's certainly there's more. Million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's it's so more good. to be done, but at the moment. I don't think any Newcastle fan wants to read that you're worried about whether you can spend forty million on a striker or not. No, I, I, I think they do downplay it a little bit. I mean, well, what that, was it that, they said we're going to spend like was it fifty million in January, and we spent best part of ninety. Well, that's why yeah. maybe when it comes to now, you do have to be a bit because you don't want to be crippling yourself if maybe a signing doesn't work. Maybe you need to replace someone. You don't want to be on the level unless you're going to tell me now of some financial fair play breach that I'm not aware well, of. Well, I've just read to you that they say that you want to make sure you're staying within it. So Yeah, yeah, you- no, I've said, I think that we would happily spend 150 million if it was, we got all the targets we want. I said, unless you tell me now. I don't that know, no, I don't have the numbers in front of me, it. but every journalist seems to be downplaying that. So maybe it's if certain people become available, but I don't know. No, I don't think we will, but I think if it was a case of, you're going to land your, say, Botman, say we hadn't just pulled out of uh, Ekatike, and if we were to land every target we wanted, I, I don't think we would hesitate to spend that money. I just think we're trying to be sensible of if we're spending 60 million, if 60 million is the players we want, we're not going to go and spend 80 million because we feel like we have to spend 80 million. It, we've touched on before, by stealth as well, it's 150 million by stealth. They put out the message, we're not going to spend a lot this summer, and come the end of it, you're like, well, hang on, they've... Yeah. Well, they prefer a bit of well, yeah. they, they've got to try to what in January it's kind of oh shit they've signed after some amount of money yeah. the they, thing they've is, got to do something for the Newcastle tax haven't they and that's probably one of the approaches yeah, yeah. they're when taking it's, when it's spoken about with um, well you spent this much you have to do it it does always eradicate that other fans uh, other teams are spending money as well so like yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot's going to be said about the money Arsenal spend when I don't doubt Spurs will spend a similar amount and so it's when you say you spent this much you have to get X, Y, Z, same with United. If everyone else is spending that, then it's who spends it best. And that'll be the key thing. Newcastle needs to spend the money and they have to spend it well, which they'll have to continue doing. You're making a mistake of offering context there, Luke. We don't do context. <laughs> it's just, you spend I, this money, you have to do this. I think what'll be actually quite enjoyable to watch is um, the different trajectories that Newcastle and Aston Villa are going to take. Because I, I like to criticise Aston Villa. But I've noticed. If, oh yeah, all, all jokes aside, they've obviously got owners who are ambitious They've got on paper decent. I'm not sure sport. they're being as sensible. No, I don't think they are either. Yeah. Um, I think they've they've obviously targeted. We want success now, not we want success for the next ten years. So I think it'll be quite interesting seeing the two teams side yeah, by definitely. side. They're probably a year or so ahead in terms of how long they've uh, had this uh, rebuild going on. But I think it'd be quite interesting to see which direction the two clubs the take. The two knows to be interesting. Yeah, because we, I think we look like we're building more for the long term by trying to get a mixture of new talent and experience. Well, we'll see how that goes, and we'll see when these deals do get over the line. Because I'm sure we'll, Newcastle will be one of the teams we're speaking about frequently before the season starts we will call it a day there I will point you towards Movie Madness this Friday we have Gangster Squad versus Gangs of New York so be sure to tune in there next week we'll do another Premier League years or what if so we'll see what we do there tune in then thank you again for listening adios <laughs>